Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, I asked the question on Twitter, and I'll leave the show with this. Who's ready for a little Monday baseball? Finally, we got baseball to talk about. Players reporting. We're calling it summer camp. We're giving all these guys brown bag lunches. (laughs) We got a taxi squad we got to talk about. We got Paul Himbikides, Himbo, from ESPN at 1.30. Richard Justice from MLB.com at 2 o'clock. Chris Rose from MLB Network and the NFL Network. We can talk a little NFL with him, too. Does he think they're going to be able to get a season going? The NFL, I swear to God, they're acting like there's no COVID-19. The NFL is acting like, what? There's People are having issues getting their league started? Oh, no, no, no. We're going to have camp. We're going to have camp at uh, our facilities. We're going to uh, we're gonna have preseason games and... We're going to have fans in the stands. I mean, it's like, wow. So we'll talk to Chris Rose at 2.30, the voice of summer. And it is summer. Ken Korak, the voice of your Oakland A's, will be here at 3 o'clock. And then Melissa Lockhart, who covers the athletics for the athletic, will join us at 3.30. So a lot to get into. And as we were taping Himbo earlier today, We had our first player say, yeah, I'm not playing. Mike Leak of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then right after that, we heard that Joe Ross and Ryan Zimmerman of the Nationals have opted out to play in 2020. We've not been given a reason. You know, we don't know if wives are pregnant. We don't know if they have children uh, with, with some type of issue Uh, Maybe parents live with them. We have no idea what it is. This will be the first time ever 
that the Nationals will play a game with Ryan Zimmerman not on the roster. So we heard that this could happen. And there's going to be young players, as Bob Nightingale put out there, that, remember, they gave a big chunk of money to the players already. So some of these young guys are playing for like 25 grand now. And if you have, let's say, like an arm issue, or you've been battling something health-wise, you know, you know, 25 grand after taxes? And maybe you, you know, you got a little issue with your shoulder, your elbow, or something like that, and you say, hey, I'm not going to play. And that's fine. I think everybody understands. Everybody. Your problem is your union was bickering about money. So that's why people are not going to give you the benefit of the doubt right now. I will. I think later in time, people will. But your union did you wrong. And I mentioned this the whole time. It's the first time in really in my career I'm I'm pro-management. When Trevor Bauer is the guy, the voice of reason, friend of the program, Trevor Bauer. I mean, he's a nutty dude, but he was right. What are we fighting over? It's 60 games. It's two months. What are we doing here? The fight is this offseason. I still have no idea. I mean, if I'm a player and I grew up around Tony Clark, no offense, but if I'm a player, I'm like, this guy's not getting it done. He 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 did he did me no good as a player. But we're gonna we're gonna see this more and more as certain players are going to sit out. Now for the A's, you know, can Cody Bellinger sit out and Mookie Betts and Bregman and Altuve and Correa and Fernando Testis and Machado and Mad Bomb and just, you know, all the teams the A's are going to be playing. Hey, if your stars all want to sit, that's that's fine with us. A lot of people like the A's in this 60-game this schedule. I mean, it's kind of built for this team. Other than they always get out to a slow start. But, you know, the pressure is now not on Scott Emerson and Bob Melvin like, Oh, my God, A.J. Puck can only throw so much. Oh, no, Jesus Lazardo can only throw so much. Now it's 12 starts. Everybody's going to get 12 starts. It might not even be that because you got Chris Bassett. You know, some guys, you know, because you're going to – you're. I guarantee you they've all been throwing, but somebody might come down with a little dead arm. You got Chris Bassett. Or maybe Chris Bassett is this ultimate weapon – for middle innings because he's got a rubber arm. He wants the ball. And some guys might only go four or five innings. You know, we've talked about the starter and then the bridge guy to the bridge guy to the bridge guy who then gets you to do Liam Hendricks. It's going to be a lot of bridge guys this year. I don't think we're going to see a lot of guys going seven or eight innings. I mean, we weren't seeing that anyway, let alone now in a shortened season where you got not spring training 2.0, but summer camp. Is Bill Murray going to be there for summer camp? Remember Meatballs? Cody, did you ever see Meatballs? I know what it is, but I've never seen it. 
Um, oh, you got to see it. It's a classic. I mean, any movie with Bill Murray from the late 70s, early 80s, Ghostbusters, Caddyshack, was it a... It's a, it's a summer camp gone awry. Uh, I'm sure that it, that sounds like, that sounds like a perfect eighties movie that they would make with like Bill Murray, where it's just like one of the, like, that's like the perfect role for him. Uh, I will have to check it out. Cause I've never seen that or weekend at Bernie's. I know those are two movies. You get a Bernie's? No. And I know there's what, like three of them they made. So I have to check out it, all three it, of them. It jumps the shark. There's no question, but the original, the original is phenomenal. So we, we may need to get the audio today. It's uh, Bill Murray wakes up the campers every day. <laughs> He's on this PA system. Oh, it's a classic. It's an absolute. So we're doing summer camp. Is everybody excited? I know I'm excited for baseball to be back. How was your weekend? Uh, it was great. I didn't really do much. Uh, I, saw, I saw a friend in uh, the old stomping grounds of Morgan Hill. And that was really about it. And then I stayed at home yesterday and sat inside and played video games all day long and worked a little bit and just kind of followed along what was going on. There was a statement from uh, Mike Rizzo, the GM of the Nationals. He said, Ryan Zimmerman and Joe Ross have decided to not participate in the 2020 season for the personal health and safety of themselves and their loved ones. Now, I didn't see anything on Mike Leak, but I'm assuming it's probably the same thing. So those are the first three guys, as we mentioned, that are opting out of playing in the 2020 season. I forecast there might be a few more guys that probably won't play. Hey, I mean, you know, one of these guys may have diabetes. You don't, I mean, you don't know what the health concerns are. And you know what? I've said from day one, if this is about the virus, this is what we can really talk about. Then it's a legit conversation. If it's just about money, which it was at one point, then I'm not down with you. And that's just a reality. When you're bickering over money, I I just, I don't know what that does for your career to basically not play for what, 17, 18 months? Yep. Especially, especially as a hitter. You're going to be gone for that long? Let's see how old he is. He's got to be, what, mid to late 30s? Who's that? Ryan Zimmerman. He's no, 35. He, yeah, he's in his like, mid-30s. He's been playing since 05. He was like the Nats' first draft pick. He, so he's made so much money that he's like, ah, pro-rated 60 games. I don't need the cash. Some of these guys have made so much money. But, man. Because, I mean, he's kind of on his last leg. I mean, this could be it for him. Are you going to want to bring Ryan Zimmerman back at 36 years old? Was it was it last year or the year before? I don't know if you have his, if you have his baseball. I'll pull up his baseball reference page. He actually had a really good year as he got older. But I'm with you. I, I don't – I mean, he is the – I mean, he literally is, is and was the face of the franchise. Now it's kind of shifting over to Juan Soto. This is tricky for Zimmerman because he's you're, he's a 35-year-old guy. He's an older guy. But th- what kind of value does he have going forward? I think the team leader aspect is great. And just being a guy that's been there forever, I think the Nats bring him back. But I see your point on, is this a guy you want to bring back after he sat out a year who didn't really play as much in, 20, in 2019 when they won the World Series? Um, I'm pulling up his page right now. In 2019, he played in only 52 games. So it was in t- 2017 at age 32, he had 36 homers and drove in 108 runs. But then he played 85 games and then 52 games. He's always been a great player, 
He just can't stay healthy. He's like a, a more healthy version of David Wright. Mike Leake, on November 12th of this year, he'll turn 33. Now, pitchers, everybody's always looking for arms, but could this be it for Mike Leake? You don't pitch for 18 months. You turn 33. I don't know what his contract status is. I mean, obviously, someone would invite him to, to, to spring training. But, I mean, you leave the game for a long time. That's a long time. I mean, basically gone for 18 months, right? If it would be 18 months, I'm not counting spring training. So, if spring training would, would be, what, 17? I think start of the season would be, like, 18. Yeah, because you take if you take out March or end of February, March, it was around, like, I think when we did it was 17 months, but it was. That's a long time to kind of go – when we're talking about the sport going dark just itself, but now if you're a player and you haven't played in 17 months, that's a, that's a long that's a long time. And you're right, Leak's a free agent after the season. Uh, he's a free agent for 2021. So, actually, he's actually supposed to make – he'll be a free agent after next season. Sorry. He's making $18 million uh, next year because he got traded over from Seattle. So, Seattle initially paid him. So, he's making $18 million next no, year. No, 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 no. He's got, he's got an option. He's got an option. Oh, yeah. So it's an $18, 18, $18, $18 million mutual option, $5 million buyout. I, I think the Diamondbacks might buy him out. Crazier things have happened, but an aging pitcher, that might be someone they buy out and they use one of their younger arms in their system. He's walking away from prorated salary of 60 games of his $15 million salary. That's a lot of money he's walking away from. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not criticizing him whatsoever. I don't know his situation. We will find out his situation. Obviously, if you're walking away from that kind of money. Now, remember, the players have already been paid money. So they've already got money for this year. But this is for the, you know, the rest of your salary prorated for 60 games. It's a lot of money. But once again, we don't know the health concerns. We don't know why he doesn't want to play. Um, and, and something that's been brought up that's legit. Like if you're a pitcher and you're, you've had issues with your elbow, you've had issues with your shoulder. Yeah. This might be a time to shut it down. Shut it down and get healthy. So, but I just, what worries me is if older guys are doing this, the game is going younger. So I don't know how many people are going to be like, hey, I can't wait to sign Mike Leak, who's 33 years old and hasn't played in almost two years. I don't know. One big-time columnist likes the green and gold in this 60-game season. Why? You'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. 
Former 20-game winner and member of the Big Three, Tim Hudson was on A's Cast Live and looked back on his time playing for the A's. Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was, you know, obviously my first chance to, to have a have an opportunity to pitch in the big leagues. And, you know, I, I couldn't have gotten into a, you know, drafted into a better situation with an organization that was going to give young guys opportunities to, to get to the big leagues, opportunities to get their feet wet, you know, and, and playing for a manager like Art Howe was, was the perfect scenario for not only me, but, any, you know, all, all the younger guys that came up through our organization. You know, it was a lot of fun. It, we had a great time, you know, learning how to be big leaguers together. You know, it was it was truly a, a, a special span of about five or six years for us. I feel like I still feel like there was a couple of years that we were the best team in baseball. We just couldn't quite get past the, the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Twins a couple of times. But you know, you look back and you know up and down those rosters, and you look at the names, and it's like, man, you scratch your head. How, how in the world did we not win a World Series with, with with that bunch? You know, it was it was a, it was a special group. That was always a you know, a special time in my life, and, and uh, I look back on it now, and, you know, it puts a smile on my face. To hear the full interview and much more, go to athletics.com slash podcast. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Where will you go first? Will it be familiar streets? Or perhaps unknown roads? Wherever you may go, Lexus will welcome you back with exceptional offers on exceptional vehicles. Find out all the ways a Lexus can be yours at Lexus.com. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Here's what we want everyone to do. Count all the hugs you haven't given, all the hands you haven't held, all the dinners you didn't share with friends, the trips you haven't taken. Keep track of them. Each one means one less person vulnerable, one less person exposed and one step closer to a healthier community. So for now, keep your distance, but don't lose count. We'll have some catching up to do. Kaiser Permanente, thrive. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever and fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget with speeds up to a gig, all at Xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Hi, I'm Kathy Adams, president of the Oakland African American Chamber of Commerce. As the impact of COVID-19 grows, OAACC believes it is important that the African-American community hears directly from us in regards to mitigation efforts you may enact it to reduce the risk to your family and loved ones. Recent data reveals African-Americans are dying from COVID-19 at disproportionate rates than other groups. Experts cite diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, and lung disease as factors. It is imperative that we institute safeguard measures listed on the OAACC website. 
We will be conducting virtual forums with African-American experts sharing how we must conduct ourselves during this pandemic. OAACC has taken up the mantle to be caretakers for our community. Visit us at OAACC.org. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. That is right. And once we get this thing going again, Jim Bowden from The Athletic, he thinks there's five teams that he really likes in a 60-game schedule. He likes the Yankees. He likes the Reds. He likes the Padres. He likes the Rays. And he likes your Oakland Athletics. He talks about their defense. Gold Glove caliber defenders like Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon, Ramon Laureano. He talks about the power. Guys with 30 plus jacks and Olson, Simeon, and Chapman. Two guys that hit more than 20, Laureano and Chris Davis. How about the return of Chris Davis? How about Chris Davis getting back to being the 40 home run guy? He's like adding a free agent. He brings up Mike Fires, anchoring the staff, who was 15-4 and four last year. He mentions three young starters and leaves one out, which I don't know why he did that. But he talks about Jesus Lazardo. Jesus Lazardo is his choice for American League Rookie of the Year. Sean Manaya finally healthy. And then he mentions Frankie Montas. Nowhere in here. Does he put in A.J. Puck? How does he forget A.J. Puck, Commander? That makes no sense. Especially on the day where, what was it, 16 years ago, Randy Johnson, the guy compared to A.J. Puck's compared to, got his 4,000 strikeout on this date 16 years ago. So I don't know how he forgot Puck when he there's so much expectations heading into the season for him and Lazardo. And I'm with him. I think those two guys, Frankie Montas, Mike Fires, and again, Bassey, Chris Bassett, a uh, really good friend of the program, those are the guys they're going to count on. And then you have the bridge guys, which we got to work on a name for that because we kind of we're trying to forget the the name for the opener and who's the guy after that. But um, I I like the where, where the team's at. And Billy said it the other day uh, to Tim Kawakami, this is the deepest team he's had, is the best team he's had since the one team that won 102 games. I mean, there's a lot of talent on this team, and this and there's not a lot of guys in the system that people are high on after the top three guys who are going to graduate to the majors this year. Robert Pawson's still so young, so we don't know about him. And Nick Allen's young and Logan Davidson. But the, the not core Robert. on the – It's not Robert. Uh, yeah, Robert, yeah. That, that'll, that'll, we'll never forget. The, well, that, that, was, that one's on me. But the, all the guys going forward, the, the, all the talent on this, on this roster is incredible. And you got guys like Stephen Piscotti and Mark Hanna who don't get enough recognition. And you're right about Chris Davis. I think that if he can come back anywhere to where he was – Two years ago, where he hit 40, was it 48 home runs? Uh, they're going to be very scary. Pawson's not even 18 years old yet. Think about that. That's, yeah. Him and Dominguez, the kid from the Yankees, they're both so young, and they were those two guys assigned. 17. 
And is Pawson on our taxi squad? So Martin confirmed a report over the weekend. That I think it was Jesse Sanchez uh, from Major League Baseball tweeted out, and then Martin had a tweet saying that he's supposed to be on there, but I'm, I have the list of the 60 guys, and there's only 54 guys on there right now, so there's still six guys that can be added. One of them is not Pawson, but also we heard that Soderstrom, according to Susan, was one of the guys that could be added too, and he's not on there. But some of the guys that are, that are on there, Logan Davidson, uh, we mentioned Nick Allen's on there, Buddy Reed, uh, Caprillion, Jeffrey. So these some of the guys that we saw in the minors that are on there. Then you have the 42 guys that are actually reporting to Oakland this week. Well, let, 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 let me let me throw this curveball at you. How many guys left spring training and went back home? And when I mean back home is not in the United States of America. That's something that next time we talk to Billy, talk to Pawson May, is he Dominican? I want to say it's correct. I'll, let me double check so we know for so, sure. So, I mean, if he's in the Dominican Republic, I don't, because I can tell you this, Bob Townsend, San Diego Padres, I know for a fact, had guys stay in Arizona and not leave because they were pretty smart, realizing that if these guys leave, we might not be able to get them back into the country. Yeah, and he's uh, he is from the DR. He's from the Dominican Republic. Robert Poss. So I don't even know. We don't even know where he is. So if you can even put him on the list, I, I don't know if you can even get him back into the country. So some teams probably really didn't think about that, and my brother found that out, and that's why I, I had this knowledge. You know, there's 30 teams, and there's some people saying like the Blue Jays are not even going to be allowed to play in Toronto. So who knows? I mean, there's there are still so many unknowns. Like, I'm not going to be like, like, remember in the negotiations? Nope, no DH in the National League. Now we have the DH in the National League. And by the way, we need to be corrected here. Buster Olney screwed up. He's wrong. <laughs> Sean Doolittle is not the, the there's going to be a question someday. You're going to be in a you're going to be in a bar or you're going to be somewhere with your buddies. And someone's going to say, who's the last pitcher ever to hit in Major League Baseball? Do not say Sean Doolittle. Sean Doolittle was a part of this. He was on the mound. The answer actually is Garrett Cole most likely will be the last pitcher ever to hit in a game that's not a crazy extra innings game. There, there will be another. There'll be another guy that you'll send up to the plate. I don't think this. I, I don't. I buying or selling it truly is the last time a pitcher will ever hit. I'm selling. Selling because someone like Granky or someone could hit or Bumgarner or yeah, it could be the 16th inning and you've run out of players and now hey Mad Bum grab a bat. I, I so think that, that will happen again. I think they need to change the terminology on the last pitcher batting. Maybe it's the last pitcher hitting in a traditional eight or nine spot. Uh, we do got breaking news, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fire off the sounder uh, right now. Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. So, according to Jeff Passan of ESPN, the breaking news is A's first round pick Tyler Soderstrom, the top prep catcher this year, has a pretty great. Uh, has a pretty great day. First, he signed his deal with Oakland for $3.3 million, 
and now he's taking off to join the team at training camp at 18 years old. He'll be among the youngest on a 60-man roster. Yeah, well, what this is is you want your top guys playing. You don't want them losing a year. Remember, majority of these guys in the minor leagues are just there to help the King Griffey Juniors, the Alex Rodriguez's, the Mike Trout's. Someone's got to play with these guys when they're kids. That's what the minor league system is. Eric Kubota can come on and say, we never got Eric. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I mean, we'll get him eventually. I I mean, I'm not. I don't really want to talk to her. Well, yeah, now that Soderstrom's going to be, might be good to get Eric on to say, okay, how's this guy going to compete against legit, you know, this is legit talent. I mean, this is the best of the best. You're bringing your best. But this, 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 this shows you right here. What you're doing is you're taking the guys you think are the best guys in your system and you're bringing them. Are they going to Stockton for sure? No, because I, I was reading stuff over the weekend that, that hasn't been finalized. Uh, there's something I think it's what it has to do with the uh, the counties and all their uh, regulations. So I don't know if that Stockton's actually going to work. That's what I saw over the weekend. I mean, things could change, but uh, it hasn't been confirmed yet what site because the the tweet I see it just says re, uh, reporting to an alternate tra- uh, training site. It doesn't say Stockton. So it's, uh, cur- curious to see what the other options could be for. The uh, alternative, it could be maybe like Matt Vasquez mentioned last week, Laney College. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the different locations around here where they can potentially have some players working out on a daily basis if it's not Stockton. Uh, I, this is this is poor Northern California knowledge by me. Um, what county is Stockton in? Is that San Joaquin? I want to say. Let me. I'll. I want to. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're correct. Look at that. Look, look at the Bay Area transplant knowing the counties. Look at you. It looks like it nestles right up uh, to uh, us. In old Santa Clara County. And bo- also borders Alameda County. So we got to find out. what. But here's the deal. You're not going to have a minor league system. A lot of the guys, in the, and this may sound harsh, but a lot of the guys in your minor league system, they're not going to be in the big leagues. You don't think they're going to be in the big leagues. So you got to get your legit guys. You got to get them playing. I mean, are they bringing Soderstrom up because they think he's going to play in the big leagues this year? No, they want him playing. Because if he's that good, I know people project, oh, you know, four years. I don't know, man. If you're that good. What, what, how many guys have we now seen lately? They're coming up at 19, 20. If you're that good and you can help the ball club win now, give them, give them that experience playing again, you know, taking at bats against Jeffries and Caprillion and these guys. Let's see, let's see this kid. You know, we've recently celebrated the life of Al Kaline, Mr. Mr. Tiger. The guy literally went to prom then graduated from high school and then went straight to the Tigers and never looked back spent zero time in the minor leagues 
So, hey, hey, you know, we talked to his dad, Steve. They've got that baseball academy down there in Fresno or Turlock. And we talked to his high school coach. Tyler seems like a very advanced kid, so this does not shock me whatsoever. All right, we got more to get into, but it is a Monday, and Monday means himbo. He is the top researcher for ESPN. He's on the show Get Up, which is their morning show, and he's on every single week with Buster Olney. And he now joins us every single week. It's a treat. Here is Paul Himakides, better known as Himbo. Himbo, I can tell you right now, being able to look at you in that tank top and you're showing the guns, you've been doing that push-up challenge. Uh, <laughs> it's great to see you here in summertime in Jersey. Uh, likewise. Well, let me say this. Um, I've enjoyed my push-up and set-up challenge, I mean, relatively speaking, as, as much as one can. But now I'm using it more as a device rather than to keep myself in somewhat good shape, more as a way for me to track how long it's been. I told you I was just go, I'm going up one every week. This was, we're up to 40 now this week, meaning that this is our 16th week of quarantine with my parents and the in-laws. So that's now, that's how I'm tracking the amount of time that it's been. And I'm using the sundial instead of a calculator. So are you required to to, to, to go and get the uh, fake suntan there when you're in Jersey in summertime? <laughs> GTL, as they say on the Jersey Shore, gym tan and laundry. I'm not. Luckily enough, <laughs> we... We have a nice little, uh, you know, boathouse situation over here. So we've been able to lay out some. We've gotten some nice sunny days. And I, I'm sporting the first take tank top. Usually people see me wearing this. They say, oh, do you like this show? I work at ESPN. I say, not really, but my wife works for it. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's that's how I usually answer that question. All right. You got to go back. Jim, tan, laundry. GTL, bro. So have you, have you not seen the Jersey Shore? The Jersey Shore was a phenomenon during my college years. We used to have parties on Thursday nights. We used to order four locos and other cheap malt, malt beverages of, of that kind. And uh, Paulie D is a, a prominent character on that show. Paulie D is a famous DJ. They'd call me Paulie H. That's, that's how we roll. Snooky. Snooky. Yes. <laughs> You're so old. You're so old, bro. Snooky. <laughs> I actually never saw that show. I, yeah. I just, I, I kind of know the characters, but I never actually saw the show. Yeah. Uh, the situation, the situation, the situation had the, he had the, he, had, he really had some pipes. He would, like, he'd like to go down and really, you know, really mess things up in seaside heights. Didn't he, uh, didn't he have going to jail? He did wind up in jail. I don't recall exactly what very easily searched. I'm sure without looking, I'm guessing it would be some sort of fraud or bank, uh, some sort of eviction loan situation that sounds that sounds on brand for him so i uh, did some research for you please so the reason why the majority of especially newer homes some you they got to be really old homes that have a basement in california okay why no one has a basement it's because of earthquakes because of earthquakes and that's also why we don't have brick houses out here like you go to the midwest or the east you have a lot of brick homes we don't have homes uh, with brick because uh, they can't be blown down by an earthquake. What is your home made of? Uh, wood, stucco. <laughs> I was expecting you to say ban- thatched bamboo. This is a pleasant <laughs> surprise. <laughs> Good for you, man. Well, it's so, funny because I, th- I appreciate you doing that research for me. I suppose 
earthquakes was probably the the easy answer to come to. I I guess they do happen frequently enough to where you have to build that into the the equation. Right now, I'm dealing with an you know we're as as a new you know homeowner here at the end of next month, we're looking for flooring options. So I'm looking at at who can provide us the most the, the best you know the best uh, lacquer and my my wife wants to slightly darken the new floors, do a little bit of repair for rotting and such. So I'll make sure to keep you and your listeners posted on that project as well. Yeah, I just recently did two bathroom, redid two bathrooms and the uh, flooring of the kitchen. So during I the, during the pandemic. Uh, well, we did one bathroom in the kitchen while we were on our East Coast trip, and then we just finished. We as we started to get through the pandemic, my wife was just she was jonesing to get it done because yeah. we had all the product in our garage. So we said, you know, let's get it done. And I've said, you're cut off for now. I've given you. Contract. I assume you mean financially in this sense. Uh, yeah. Contractors are cleaning up. Are cleaning up right now. Like e- everywhere we go, we see we see trucks outside of homes. People just dying to do stuff. These are these are the things that you've been trying to do for ten years. You're doing it now. What's the update on your on your yard? Because last I heard, it was practically a golf course. Yeah, my yard my yard looks spectacular. I mean, <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I gotta be in homes and garden right now. I, I gotta tell you this. You gotta park. So, I got a Sony Walkman, so that's just basically earplugs, that's that's waterproof. So I'm able to download podcasts and songs, and now that my club's opened up and we're able to swim, I've been downloading Buster Only's Baseball Tonight podcast. Terrific. And so I'm able to swim, and it's amazing how, you know, you're now not counting laps. You're You're just swimming, and it's so much better for you. So I was listening to you. I want to say you were on Tuesday, correct? Yes, I was on Tuesday. Um, Tony Clark, who runs the Players Association, I actually played with him. We grew up together. We were on an all-star team together, so it's tough for me to uh, blast him, but he needs to be put on blast. (laughs) The the deal that they cut, and and you, you were great on it, what did they get? What did they gain? I mean, if I'm a player, I'm like, why is this guy leading us? Um, Tony Clark got raked over the coals in the last in the last collective bargaining agreement. Now, it's it's easy to sort of say in hindsight, although I do think at the time it happened, it was predictable. But I think the best way to to sort of judge how well a player the players did in a CBA is just to look at the money, because obviously there's more that goes into it than just that. But ultimately, it is a responsibility of the union leaders to make sure those players are getting theirs, as much of theirs as possible. So I looked at the last four collective bargaining agreements just to see in relation to how the players did in the past and how they're doing now. There was a CBA that ran from 03 to 06, and during that time, average player salary increased 25%. The next collective bargaining agreement, four years, plus 18%. From 2012 to 2016, the average major league player salary increased 29%. And since the last collective bargaining agreement, my friend, player salary on average has declined, declined after going up at least 18% in each of the previous three. I don't know, no matter how much you like Tony Clark, that you can, I don't know that there can be a bigger indictment on a union leader than that. I, they're going to have to do something because it's so toxic. And, and, and I know Buster talked about this because everybody's kind of like, Trevor Bauer is the voice of reason. But Trevor Bauer has become the voice of reason. You're running this thing off the cliff. Yeah, I have been highly critical of of things Trevor Bauer has said and done. And, I mean, the fact that, you know, the the person now who's become the face of Major League Baseball on Twitter is is typing, you know, from a handle that is still probably cut from his drone is bizarre to me. But he's saying all the right stuff, bro. He's saying all the right stuff. Like, that blood's not dripping anymore, but I bet you there's still a gash. He's saying all (laughs) the right stuff, and he's exactly right. It was... 
it was a miscalculation by the players to not play the long game here because the players in this case for the owners 100% essential employees and the players got so caught up in how much money am i making in the short term that ultimately they're going to sacrifice potential uh, opportunity in the next collective bargaining agreement and my biggest gripe in this sense my biggest gripe is the fact that they passed up they, they rejected the owner's offer when they knew they would mandate it the next day when that offer included an expanded postseason to me that is by far the biggest mistake that the players have made throughout this entire process. Yes, I know accepting and losing the right to grieve would have felt like the players lost the upper hand in some sense. And like you said, because the relationship is so toxic, I understand that notion. And because I don't speak legalese, someone with a higher pay grade than me is going to have to explain that the right to grieve down the road might end up being lucrative. But for all, I'm, for all I care, and living in the here and now, if I'm a player, I'm looking at an opportunity right now potentially to play in the postseason. Half of my constituents can play in the postseason. 16 of 30 teams, right? We're talking about Mike Trout playing in the playoffs for the first time in forever. We're talking about a whole host of players getting the opportunity to compete for a World Series, which is the objective. And you're talking about way more money, just not just this year, but if it works. If it works, it can be a part of future negotiations. And that is a huge, huge pool of money right now that the players don't have access to. They passed up that opportunity because Tony Clark and the big leagues in that office said, we don't want to lose the leverage here and the right to grieve is too significant. If I was a player on the White Sox or the Phillies or the Blue Jays or the Reds or fill-in-the-blank team that isn't a shoe-in for the playoffs, I would have woken up livid having known that we rejected that opportunity for reasons unbeknownst to me. Yeah, playoffs and making money for being in the playoffs. Now, less teams in the playoffs and no money playing in the playoffs. Like, it's like to lose, lose. I, I don't. I like like what in a grievance. If you're talking about going to, to to court, this is something that's years down the line. It's not like you, hey, we'll go to court and this will be decided by January. That's not how these things work. Not at all. And and those two sides should have dismissed their right to grieve weeks ago, months ago, because that was very clearly a, a hang up here that prevented these guys from coming to a to a straightforward conclusion, probably a lot sooner than it did. But even so, again, like you said, because because we're talking about so long in the future, by the time they have a chance to do this, who knows where Tony Clark will be? Like I, I think ultimately it was like the one piece of leverage that the players had, and ultimately they lost all their credibility. I was totally swooned by this tell us when and where motto. This slogan, this campaign I thought was brilliant. And it turned in one week from tell us when and where to play to tell us where like when and where to grieve. And that like totally loses the juice. Like tell me where and where you know where and when to file file a grievance. Like that doesn't work. Like you can't you can't rest your like case of the 2020 season on this like just we're gonna show up where you tell us to and they're like no we're gonna reject this offer that you're gonna unilaterally mandate tomorrow and we all know it. Give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just dumb. But reality is, we got a season. It's sixty games. I I, I know they have they have they're not playing little league in my area, uh, and and I live right across the street from from the park where there's three little league fields where a bunch of big leaguers have, have actually played, and they've been organizing still games. And I'm like looking across the street, going, "We can play little league games, huh? We can't make big league games work." And and, the, and and my biggest takeaway from that, because I've seen the same thing now that I live in the suburbs, you know, with my parents and in-laws, is that the, the Major League Baseball lost any sort of any sort of opportunity they had or time that they had to, to to breathe. Because now 
you're starting the season late in July, and if, God, you know, God forbid, we end up having another big spike or outbreak or even a team or two gets sort of you know uh, caught up in this stuff, you don't have the opportunity to pause the season. The season will end. Like, you can't play a 25-game season, whereas if you started this thing mid-June, say, when we probably could have, you actually had the opportunity, you had the infrastructure in place to get away with a little bit of that. But now baseball is going to play a week theoretically before the NBA starts. And if we have a big sort of outbreak or something to the effect that you're going to have to pause or cancel the season, like you've lost, you've lost the benefit of time. Buster only, we talked over the weekend, Buster thinks there's a 0% chance that the season can start and finish now. Zero. Now, I think that's obviously an exaggeration because nothing has a 0% chance of happening. But all you have to do is, you know, Google the numbers. Like, look at the numbers. Florida's up 1,300%. 1,300% since June 1st. There are states across the country spiking, as you guys well know, including your own. So this is just this is just the nature of the business right now. It has always been about the virus. It has never been about the money. And I, I think the notion that we're this, this season will go on swimmingly without major hiccups from the coronavirus is silly. And had we started a month ago, who knows? Maybe we would have had a chance to withstand that. You know, I haven't watched probably more news than I've ever watched in my life. And God bless you. Knowing what's going on, right now it's young people who are testing positive, and the death rate is going down. And a lot of these people who are testing positive don't even know they have it. So, it, you know, the stages of where you guys are, where so many people in living facilities were, were passing away from the virus, that's not happening now. So it's kind of different. So there's still cases are up yeah but we're talking about a different group of people now 18 to 35 and a lot of them don't even know they have it so it's like stop trying to scare me as much and (laughs) this has just come down mike leak of the arizona diamondbacks becomes the first player to opt out of the 2020 season we're gonna see it we're gonna see at minimum, a handful of guys do it. We've, we've already seen it in the NBA, guys for a variety of reasons, but we've talked about this before. There's going to be a small collection of people that decide it's not worth it to me from a health standpoint because I have a, a child who's high risk or because I'm living with my parents or, or, or I've made enough money in my career that it's just not worth the squeeze. That is a reasonable conclusion to come to, a very reasonable one. There are going to be players that say, it's not worth the injury risk because I've done all I can to make sure that I get a huge free agent opportunity and playing this year in 60 games doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, when you consider the, the fact that we're talking about such a huge player pool and look, it's it's hard to blame people for it, especially like you said, because the, every part of the country has been hit at a different time. And, and people like you said um, in Texas or in Arizona or in Florida are having the same sort of like visceral reaction to this that we had on the coast two months ago, like New York and New Jersey was Armageddon two months ago. Now we're coming to grips. But right now people are in those states are having that same sort of feeling. And you and I both remember feeling that. So it would not at all surprise me if we see this across Major League Baseball. If I have a a wife who's expecting in September, is it really worth it to me to put her or anyone around me at risk? Like those are really tough things to, those are really tough decisions. And I would, I don't, I would not think less of anybody for doing it from a health standpoint, because this is a, as we know, this is a um, uh, powerful enough virus to where even if it's not going to really affect me in the short term, it has a really good chance of affecting someone that I come in contact with. And that's a just ultimately that's a responsible decision that you can easily reconcile. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And that's one thing that I've always said is, is if we're talking about the virus, I understand if we're talking about money, now I got a problem. Correct. And it was all about the money. 
if now you and, and you know when Bob Nightingale put out there that you know a lot of these guys have gotten their money. They got that early upfront money. So if you want to play, it's the virus. I, I I'm not going to come down on you at all if you don't want to play. But there's also, but there's also like a, a different group of players that we're not discussing here. Like, sure, it might make sense for George Springer not to play because you know for for the obvious reasons, right? They suppressed his service time. He 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 probably lost a lot of money over this, and he can sort of stick it to him. There's also a lot of players playing on a. By, by baseball standards, sort of insignificant amount of money. And if you're a young pitcher with with a history of arm problems, am I gonna am I gonna go risk my arm over three hundred thousand dollars this year? Like that's a totally different side of the spectrum here. But there have to be people that have to think about it that way and play the long game that way. Because even like yes, even though by most standards that is a considerable amount of money, if you're again building towards a financial future, it's really hard for me to sit there and tell a player like you should play because you're a baseball player. Like and like you said, people will probably use the coronavirus—not excuse, but reason—to justify, you know, a decision that might be two or three-sided. What kind of free agent market do you think it's even going to be? Well, that—it's it's very difficult to say because, in all likelihood, the the amount of money pumped into the game this year is going to be a small fraction of what it normally is, of course. So, what I think you'll see happen is a lot of sort of aggressive short-term deals like if I would if I was JT Real Muto for example I'd have no problem with re-signing with the Phillies for one year and 30 million dollars or the same you know that goes for Mookie Betts but it also might take the league a long time to sort of build up that that sort of free agent that, that free agent pool again to, to, to the point where it wants and people forget like free agency has sort of bottomed out like five years ago free agency was where you want it to be now People aren't people aren't doing that anymore. We're seeing like these massive extensions. Let's say so. I pulled this number for Buster a couple of weeks ago. Last year, thirty-five players signed for a total of two point two billion dollars in extensions. Just a, just five years before that, just to provide that get context, that number was five hundred fifty-seven million dollars, four times less. So right like right now, free agency wasn't even a destination for people, and then this happened. So I think you like. Right now, the players, that kind of thinking is really archaic. And I think you might start seeing even more of that if teams try to take advantage, if you will, of the situation. And it would be hard It would be hard for me to tell a player, don't sign a $100 million extension when you might get $200 million down the road. Because who knows what this virus is going to you know, dictate in the future. And I know for sure that if I have $100 million, none of my descendants will have to work a day in their lives if they don't want to. So I had Scott Boris on the program. And... I mentioned to him, I'm like, ever since the Red Sox won the World Series, we've seen a record amount of extensions. Like, everybody's signing extensions. I mean, it's only like Harper or Machado, guys that really said, as you said, archaic, let's go to free agency. Yep. So, and, and he denied it. I'm like, I'm That's like, true. Scott. I mean, and, and then he went on this long, because we're talking about, he, he represents Matt Chapman. We're like, is Chapman open to signing an extension? And he did this roundabout answer and talking about baseball in Asia and MLB expanding overseas. And I was like, it was like, it was like two and a half minutes and he didn't answer the question. It's I like, mean, I'm telling you, like I have the numbers in front of me because I pulled them two weeks ago. More, there was, there were more extension dollars given in 2019 than the previous three combined. In, in 2015, there was $2.5 billion spent in free agency, and that number has not been reached since. It has not in a single in a single offseason. So it is overwhelmingly clear that you're exactly right. The, 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 
the desire among players now is to become financially secure early and give give myself a chance at becoming a free agent in my late 20s or early 30s. The days of selling out for free agency doesn't make much sense unless, like you said, you were like you're Harper or you're Machado or you're someone like that because those are the only kinds of players that get paid that much anymore. Like premium position players still with prime years in their 20s. And even those guys, like I think teams will probably look at the track record and say, it's not worth it for us. So ultimately, like the biggest responsibility for Tony Clark and, and the union in, in the next collective bargaining agreement is to understand the players from that standpoint. Accruing six years of service time is a haul for a lot of these guys. And the way that teams can suppress it on the on the front end, you're especially for some pitchers, you're paying for your pit you're, you're, you're by baseball standards, you get nothing for your early years, your best years, and then you're just hoping that some team is, frankly, stupid enough to pay you, and you can hold on in your in your early to mid-30s. That's not a good formula for the players, and the fact that the average player's salary has declined during a collective bargaining agreement, during which time baseball's um, uh, revenue has increased every single year at record pace, it's a, it is a massive indictment on Tony Clark and that, and that CBA, the union's, the union's negotiation there, which you brought up at the beginning of our conversation. All right, you might need to get your luggage, and, and I, I think I'm going to fly out here to, to Oakland, and I want you to talk to the A's and go, boys, the last two years you've started out like crap, and then you end up winning 97 games. That's not going to play this year. I may need you to stand up in front of the A's and talk to them and let them know uh, the, what they've been doing the past couple of years is not working this year. Here's, here's the pep talk. Listen, boys. We got a 60-game season with the anecdote that there's a really good chance we don't actually play because of the coronavirus. That being said, that being said, gentlemen, in the last two seasons, games one through 60, you guys are 61 and 59. That is tied for the 17th best record in baseball. You're an average baseball team. You're only playing 60 games this season. How would you like to go home? 500. But, my friends, game 61 through 162, you're 133 and 71. That's 652 baseball. That is tied. That is tied with the Astros, those juggernaut Astros, for the best record in baseball over that two-year stretch. So you tell me, boys, are you an early-season team or are you a late-season team? Look, I understand last year probably Matt Olson's injury had a lot to do with that. The year before, I'm not sure I've heard a good enough excuse. But the fact that this club is the best team in baseball from games 61 on over the last two years and a flat-out average team in games 1 through 60, I'm not sure what that tells me. But the fact that they stacked it two years on top of each other tells me it's not a fluke. So the preparation this year is obviously totally different. But those numbers are overwhelmingly clear. And the A's are the best team in baseball <laughs> from the point <laughs> from the point that you begin after this current season would end. And then we're going to have to bring, like, Tony Robbins in and, and convince them that they've already played 60 games. <laughs> right? All right. We need to put in your mind that you've already played half a season, so it's now you're, you're <laughs> Mentality has to be it's go time. This we need the good A's now. You have to convince yourself you're the good A's. Yeah, the the, the long game's always been what the A's have played, which has made sense the last two years. The pitching has built throughout the course of the season. They they think they have figured out the lineup, and over the course of time, obviously the cream rises to the top in Major League Baseball. We've talked about it a lot. The fact, the notion that there's a really good chance, there's a really good chance that the best team in baseball this year doesn't make the postseason because obviously as we talked about the players inexplicably rejected the opportunity to expand them so we're talking about five teams and 60 games which means something fluky is going to happen i went back and looked and i have a piece coming out for espn.com later this week detailing these five teams five teams won the world series in a season in which they started 500 or worse through 60 games it was the miracle braves of 1914 the nationals last year obviously that famously started 1931 the 03 marlins the jack mckeon team 
the 64 Cardinals and the 85 Royals. What I'm saying is, like, there's a good chance, not a good chance, there's a reasonable chance that the best team in baseball misses the playoffs in a fluky 60-game start and a, a ridiculously small postseason for a 60-game season. It's outrageous to me that they turn that opportunity down like we talked about, but the Nationals aren't the World Series champions if we have a shortened season last year. And the A's sure as heck don't have any chance. So that's like, I don't know if that's going to be predictive, but it, it sure as heck what happened. And if I were managing that club, I would be doing whatever I could to make sure I give my players an edge here early on. And so they should be getting like game-type reps in spring training, whatever we're going to call it, even even if that's sort of abnormal, even if it's sort of against the grain. Like I, What I would want is to feel like I'm playing game number 61, like you said, by having a legitimate spring training, and if that, and if I put my players at, at at a slight risk more due to injury as a result, I can stomach that because I know that the formula that I've used the last two years won't work this year. Was that Jeff Torborg who got fired with the Marlins? The Marlins. That sounds right. Jeff Torborg. Jeff Torborg. That was a fun team too. Uh, let's see here. Let's check that because Jack, Jack McKeon took over that club in 2003 and went. Let's see here. Jack McKeon went 75 and 49. It was Jeff Torborg. Who started that team that, that that season sixteen and twenty two? That Marlins team. Let's see here. That, that Marlins. That was a fun team. That was it's funny. That both of their World Series were were wild card teams. That club yeah. was fifth out of five teams in the National League East. They were twenty seven and thirty three through through sixty games in the two thousand three season. Torborg was fired, like I said, after after thirty eight games, and McKeon took over. They went twenty six games above five hundred. Trader Jack. <laughs> Trader Jack. That was, a, that, was a, that was a fun. That was a fun. A fun team. Like I, I, I was, I was a Phillies fan by that point. But I found myself rooting for the Marlins because they were a scrappy group. That was also you might recall the year that Pudge like signed a one year deal there and sort of, like that was sort of a reclamation year for Pudge. And he had that famous like, that famous shot after he you know tagged out J T Snow at home plate with like that was such like a cool, such a cool moment. I remember um, humble brag here interviewing Pudge a couple of years ago and, and talking to him about that and like he. I think he still sort of remembers that as like the best, like one of the best moments of his career. It's just such an iconic moment, and of course, that was the team that benefited from you know from the Steve Bartman incident too. That's a that team had it all. So Jack McKeon threw me under the bus. I, I was assigned to uh, cover. It was so they're starting to play well. It's Giants Marlins. Back then, it would have been Pack Bell Park. Uh-huh. And I asked him after the game how cool it was that he's having his success. Felipe Alou's having his success, guys at their age. And and you should have seen the Marlins writers looked at me and Jack McKeon jumped my you-know-what for asking him about two older managers, right? And people are like, I can't believe you asked him that. <laughs> well, come playoff time, what's one of the big stories of the series between the Marlins and the Giants is how old the managers are and how it's <laughs> Wait a minute. A month ago, you jumped my you-know-what. Now you're talking about how great it is, you son of a... Yeah, we're talking about a guy that was in the Air Force in 1950, so I think it's a pretty reasonable question. Um, I thought it was a cool story, and he (laughs) threw me under the bus with a stupid cigar, and then a month later, he's like, this is the greatest thing ever. That was was my... That's what I remember, Jack McKeon, puffing the cigar. I feel like Jack McKeon, though, is such a throwback that he, he shouldn't even have been wearing... Like the uniform, like I've always found it curious that baseball managers are the only ones that like wear the uniform. Like I don't, I don't need to see Jack McKeon in baseball pants, especially white ones at his advanced age. Um, I, I do like, I do like the cigar I, uh, for him. I like the cigar look, but he would have been better off with the Connie Mack 
look, like the the top hat, <laughs> the suit, right, and the cigar. Like, I want to see that. I want my big league manager to look like that, not like Gabe Kapler and his, like, vascularized arms, like, eating and spitting out ice cream because he can't deal with the calories. Like, that's that's not baseball to me. I want Jack McKeon <laughs> rocking the Connie Mack, rocking the top hat with the cigar, and then I can excuse him throwing you under the bus. Hey, three-piece suit. <laughs> yeah, and so if you get mad at the ump, you, you throw off just the top, but you still have the vest, right? But you can't you can't get within six feet of him because obviously, like, like that's that's gonna be so weird to watch baseball this year. This like umpires are gonna have it so easy. These guys are gonna be high fiving or spitting or like all, all that stuff is gonna be so so weird. It's gonna feel very sterile. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they make these guys wear masks if it gets bad enough. But like that's I don't think we care. Like I think ultimately. We'll be, we'll be so thrilled that we have baseball that it won't like it won't really affect much. But when you watch these KBO games, there's zero energy. And like obviously it's it's double A baseball with people we don't know. But my guess is that like some fans, like their interest will fade early once they realize like the TV watching experience just isn't the same, especially because players didn't capitulate to wearing the mics or being a part of the experience as again a piece of leverage against the owners during the most you know the most embarrassing two months in baseball history of the last couple of months. So I can tell you what what a lot of teams are going to do. Uh, we're going to be everybody's going to be pop, uh, piping in crowd noise. We're going to take cardboard cutouts of our fans, our season ticket holders, and so there's going to be there's going to be stuff in the stands to look at. It's going to be if, if we can pull this off, it'll be interesting. By the way, behind you. Is that bunk beds? Yeah, it's, it's a bunk. So um, just, just so your listeners know that I'm not an esteemed ESPN talent. I just want you to know where I'm where I'm doing this from. So I am in my in-laws place. They have a nice little lake house here in Jersey. And I am in my my wife's older brother's room. His name is Peter. Peter has bunk beds, and I'm not sure why. So the top bunk, as you might see here, is filled with his junk that he doesn't have with him. He, he lives in D.C. He lives and works in D.C. now. The bottom bunk here is all of my clothing, which now consists of four shorts and three shorts. One of which, as you learned two weeks ago, is a is a shirt of just my face. So like, it's a very limited wardrobe situation. But I just want you to know, anytime you anytime you're promoting me as like an ESP, like a, as an esteemed ESPN regular, just remember, like I'm doing this from my wife's brother's bedroom with bunk beds. So you do the show from there. Your wife works for you. What show is she on? First thing, how do you think I got the free, how do you think I got the free cutoff here to, to, to show the to show the pipes? So where does she work? Oh, downstairs. Well, okay. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You guys are TV people working from Jersey <laughs> on shows that are in Bristol, New York. Let me just say this: I love these people to death that I live with, but today we had a minor septic issue here uh, at the lake, and um, so we had to have someone come and like. Like I guess I don't know. Empty the tank, replace it. I don't know how septic works, really. As you know, like I didn't even really know the basement situation in California. So I, this is like Greek to me. There was a, like a twenty-minute span today where I wasn't even able to use the internet or the TV because they needed to shut off the circuit so that this guy could install the septic. And I guess he couldn't have electricity running during that time. I'm getting calls from people on the show needing me, and I'm like, "There's no electricity <laughs> in my house because my father-in-law is changing the septic tank, and I can't get online or watch the show. So I'm lost. Like I, I can't help you here. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to hit up somebody else. So that is the world in which we're dealing. The fact that we're getting on the air at all is remarkable. But today, yeah, no internet, no no TV. But at the very least, I was able to flush the toilet for the first time since Friday. Are, are, uh, do you guys got a boat? I got a nice little bay liner. Might hop on it this afternoon. We'll get, right now it's like low 80s, 
part, you know, mostly sunny. So we'll probably hop on the boat, cruise around the lake a little bit. Who knows? Maybe toss back a white claw or two and uh, really enjoy my Monday afternoon. Yeah. N- normally during the all-star break, I go back home to San Diego. I have a, I got a beach house. Okay. Cause, so Cody's really laughing at me after that comment. I need to know why I didn't do, I need to know why. I, I, te- I, I, I tease him about I'm a white claw, claw fan. I drink white claw too. You, you drink white claw. Now looking at you, I would think that you drink, um, like much heavier, like beer, like, or maybe even like bourbon, like bourbon without any ice or, or, or mixer. I'm surprised that you, that you favor the white claw. It's white claw or double IPA for me. There's no in between. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty wide variant. Yeah. There's no hard alcohol. Oh, if it is, it's a, uh, usually it's vodka. They've been making these, uh, made already made drinks at, uh, Whole Foods and it's a Cosmo already in a bottle and it's like 10 bucks. I'm like, this is the greatest invention ever. You bougie shopper. Cody's now push, pushing product uh, in a box. Uh, that, that's wild. So I, White Claw, I like. There's also th- this high moon flavor, which is this high noon flavor, which is, is gaining traction. I really favor the pineapple and the watermelon. And Trulies, I think, are all like I'm seeing all of these right now. There's never been a better time to be a healthy drinker than now. I'm with you, though. A double a- IPA once in a while is nice. But I would have predicted that I would not have predicted you were a White Claw person. I don't want to I don't want to go on your untapped and see you rating White Claws. I think that's too much, though. What, 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 what is this? What, 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 is this, a, I've never heard of what you just talked about. Untapped is the name of a, of a, of an app, a, a, an app in which you, you like put in the, the names of the beers that you, that you drink. No, no, about the other thing, the, uh, is there a new sparkling? The, the yes. high noon. High noon. High noon. High noon. And it's made with real vodka. Um, the pi- pineapple is. Now I might be into that. If you're okay. bringing me like legit. Cody, do we have that out here? I'd have to look. I don't remember seeing it anywhere, but I'll, I'll if it has real vodka, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna look into it. So yeah, it, it was not available to us in Philadelphia, but it is available to us in New Jersey, and I enjoyed them for the first time this past weekend. Did not favor the grapefruit, but the uh, pineapple was absolutely terrific, and the watermelon was also quite good. Look, I'm just I'm like you. I, I, I'm I'm as you can as you can very well see. I'm trying to cut up and lean out during the summer months. 100 calories a pop and less than five grams of sugar. It's a really good, really good way to get my buzz on without, you know, without sort of losing this this jagged stomach that I've been working on. And I can, I, I think you can have a, it goes without saying, Cody, that um, I'm speaking for you as well. So, like I was saying, I had I had to cancel my beach house. What do you mean by cancel? It's well, I have it to say. I always get it during the All Star break, and oh. we're not okay. having that. So no, this not. this weekend. My buddy, so the family that we go to the beach with, his dad's got a cabin up at Clear Lake. So I'm going to first time do the actual non-beach, but be at the lake with the boat and the wave runners. Okay. So I'm going to do that for the first time. Okay. I'm very interested in it. Okay. You have, you have to keep me posted on that. Let me know what you like and what you don't like about that process. That's that's the world I've, I, I live in now for the last three or four years because I, I married into that kind of family. So you're going to have to let me know what you favor, what you don't, what you guys choose to eat. Like the, the, the things that you choose to drink on the boat are also really important. Like we have it down to a science over here. So if you do need some suggestions or. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what do you, what do you recommend? Well, I, like I, we like to re- do a lot of grilling on the weekend. So like, I'm talking about like, I'll put, I'll put like ribs, I'll put a couple racks of ribs on the, on the yeah. grill like early in the day and then like smoke them in the oven for four or five hours. Like they're ready for me when we get back from the lake. At this point I have a nice little buzz on. Like I said, after, after murdering, you know, three white claws in 45 minutes, so that lets, you know, I can't quite keep Cody's pace, but I'm still doing a pretty good job, you know, doing the best that I can in my post-college years. So that's, you, 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 but you want to drink light. Like you want to drink light. The sun takes a lot out of you. I'm not like, you're not, you're not bringing the double IPAs onto the boat and crushing no. those and jumping. That's, 
that's a that's a that's a real that's a really good it's a really good way to ruin your Saturday and to to defile the lake. Like you don't want to do that. So I, I you always want to go light. You always want to think light, light. Like and, and eat and don't eat large quantities because I'm like a big eater. I'll like I'll, I'll eat a, a rack of ribs and then try to drink some beer and like I'm I'm sitting on that boat and I'm not feeling so good. Like it's it's not worth it when the sun's beating down at you at ninety degrees and you feel like you want to just and you want to heave. You, that's not a win. So everything in moderation. So that big bottle of bullet bourbon that I get from Costco, I don't want to bring that onto the boat. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I suppose if you want to use it uh, sparingly as a mixer, uh, I would do so. But you don't seem like the kind of guy that does much sparingly. So I would say <laughs> no. uh, what, you, what, you, what you do in this case is you avoid you avoid that. You bring something on. Try try these spiked seltzers. Like Cody and I will right. help you along your way here. You, you'll, you'll, you'll feel nice and light. You'll be cool. You might even take a picture of pushing product. We might might think it's an ad, we might not. But I think that it would be, and also like it's something you can even do. Like you're you're rocking the weeds at home, you're mowing the grass. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a casual, it's a casual easy drink. So you'll find like you'll find it's a really nice way to use 300 calories. Moderation has never been my friend. <laughs> um, I I guess that. Can you uh, just quickly take your hat off for me? Oh yeah, because I wanted to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, the yeah. lettuce is so bad. Yeah. My wife says I look like I should be on the Partridge family in the 70s. <laughs> I think you've outgrown that, frankly. Um, you look like you've been affected by electricity at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. like, like, like we, we, had the, we, we had the issue over here. Look at the mullet. You look like you you popped open the the wrong circuit to help the septic guy out, and 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 it looked like it it, it affected it affected you in that way. That's what Seriously, I'm seriously. Our, our salons are still not open. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting my hair buzzed at home by you know by whoever is willing to do it. So I mean, it's an easy haircut. Yours looks like it requires some scissors, and at that point, you're not trusting people, right? No, my da- my daughters want they they're, they're my daughters are threatening threatening me to cut my hair in the middle of the night because they hate it so much. But I'm letting it grow. Yeah. I'm going- yeah. I'm going the mullet to the lake. I mean, doesn't this look like lake hair? Yeah, you, 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 backwards hat, a little flow in the front. Maybe even if you're feeling extra, like a little bit extra, consider a bandana. Like maybe, like because then <laughs> I also like the visor because you're gonna have a lot, you know, poking yeah. out the top. Like you have, you have good, you have good hat options now. You have good hat options, and that's gonna make a difference at the lake as well. Oh, I, I, you're choosing a drink. I'm gonna bring my my John Gruden Raider uh, visor. I'm gonna bring my. Uh, San Diego country. I'm gonna be vice. It's gonna be me, the lake, and visor all day. Are, are your girls to a point yet where your hair is long enough that they're gonna they put it inside the ponytails on top? I, I will not allow any ponytail or man bun. Because that's okay. So that's where that's where the line crosses for you. Yeah, that's where I I, I will. Because I always say on this show, there's certain people I can't be friends with, and that's one of the groups people who do man buns. I can't be friends with. <laughs> <laughs> That's a discriminatory group for you. Um, I'm sorry, between, I just can't do it. Between your hair and uh, and Cody's beard, you guys are 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 just the worst kept show in America. Just, <laughs> just it's it's, a, it's unspeakable. <laughs> I I should stop calling in. I should I mean I should stop doing the doing the chat. I should just end up calling in so that I no, your it. shirts are too good. I mean, I, every single time. I mean, it's something different. <laughs> I love it. All right, All right no, I'll, no, I'll have to do that. We'll Enjoy yourself on the lake. You be well. We'll talk to you next week. Same to you. Later, boys. How good is Himbo? I was like, what, 38 minutes? Yeah, the, the last, what, like 10 was us talking about boozing, hair, beards. That That's what the – it just evolved, like, naturally because you asked him the question about the bunk beds. And as someone that uh, had bunk beds growing up as a kid up through high school, 
Uh, it's a little weird because it was just me and I had a sister who had her own bedroom. For a guy like me to have bunk beds was just odd. Uh, I respected that question. I wanted to know why there was bunk beds in the room he was doing the uh, the interview from. All right. We just did 38 straight minutes. But we got to go to Dick Justice so we can uh, have Chris Rose live at 2.30, right? Yeah. All right. So earlier today, Richard Justice used to be Houston Chronicle. Uh, but, of course, he's a national columnist for MLB.com. You see him on MLB Network. He's one of the tops in our game. It's always great to have Richard Justice from Texas right here on A's Cast Live. Well, it's always great to have you on the program. We love your insight for all these years. How are you down in Texas? You know, uh, probably like you, we're staying close to home. The virus has rekindled itself. I mean, we just were too careless in reopening. And so, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a great deal of fear. And every day I've got two two daughters down here and one of them is expecting a child. So, yeah, we're trying to be careful. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Obviously special. Um, your governor talked about potentially having fans in the stands uh, once we get this thing going, is that is that now probably in doubt? Well, when he said that, uh, well, when he when he initiated that that decision, uh, the virus looked like it was dying down, and it, so it sort of made sense. Since then, it is off the charts. I mean, the ICU units here in Houston are in overflow capacity. I believe that's true in Dallas, Austin, and San Antonio as well. Here's what's happening: the uh, Rangers are surveying their season ticket holders to say, if we open the doors to our new ballpark, would you be interested in coming back, depending on how many we let in? The the Astros say the plan is to bring people back. But you know, Chris, between now, today, and when we open the season in the 23rd, the 24th, uh, lots can change. I mean, we are not, uh, apparently, if you if you buy into the data, we're not at the peak yet, and the peak may be a couple of weeks away. So who knows what we're going to look like in two weeks. But as of today, the, the plan is maybe have some fans in the stands, not very many. But it's just like, as you know, with you and I and with all the players and the staff, can you get the fans to the point where they feel safe? And that's what everybody's debating. What was interesting is I guess you went on Sports Radio 610 in Houston and said yeah. the A's are the favorites. Uh, it was like within minutes they contacted me to come on to talk about it. And uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, the A's, they just want me doing this show until uh, until we finally really know what's going on. But uh, I talked about that, and our, and our fans love to hear that, that you think we are actually in a 60-game uh, season, you think we're the favorites. Yeah, well, I think it could be. I think this is what I said, I think, on opening day, the A's may be the best team in baseball because a 60-game season levels the playing field. And what was the issue for the A's? How are we going to manage the workloads for Manaya and Mont and Luzardo and Puck? I mean, when you saw those guys down the stretch last year, it was nasty. So how many innings can you get out of those guys considering what how many innings they pitched last year? And that was a real challenge over 162 games. It's, I think it's less of a challenge over 60 games, and you may be able to just let them go. Same is true of the Padres and the Braves. They have lots of young pitching. So I think this delay 
really, I mean, it helps the A's in so many ways. It helps get those guys ready for 2021, but it gives them a chance to win in 2020, I think. You know, but it's it's sort of we saw this coming with their draft. And I think I think Bob Melvin would tell you, Billy Bean and David Force would tell you, from the moment they put those two guys at the corner infield spots, the two mats, I mean, you could see something building here. And, you know, we got a chance for it to happen this year. It'd be it would be so cool. I have known Bob Melvin for more years than I care to remember. And there is no nicer person. There is no more competent manager in the game. And obviously Billy Bean goes to the world series. Billy Bean should be in the hall of fame. If the hall of fame is for people who contributed a significant positive development to the game. I mean, Billy Bean changed so many things about the game. Um, that's what the hall of fame is for, but I would say, you know, he probably needs to win a championship and he'd probably be the first to acknowledge that. You know, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, down at spring training, this was this. The number one question was, how are we going to manage Lazardo and Puck? How many games right. are they going to be allowed to pitch? How many innings? Do you start them out in the bullpen? So, because if you're telling me they can only pitch so much, we're going to need them for the end of the season and the postseason. And it's like all that stuff we talked about at spring training is gone. And it's going to be, you're going to, you're each going to get 12 starts. Go get them. Yeah, that's right. 12 starts, go get them. And what you hope is, is that the A's are in a comfortable enough position that you can make sure that they're ready to go for the postseason. Uh, because, you know, last year, when the, in the way they were using them last year, they were coming out of the bullpen and scouts were just sitting there going, oh, my God. I mean, the you know, because Puck is a guy, you guys had seen him, but I hadn't seen him. I'd only heard of him. And I'd seen some of Lazardo. But uh, and lots of Mania, but you, you just to see them in person, you know, especially Puck's size just like blows you away. Like, whoa, that's a big boy there. And uh, you know, so you got Mania, you got Lazardo, Puck. However, they're going to use Montas. It's it's very impressive. Yeah, a lot of people forget about Frankie. Frankie coming back. I mean, if Frankie doesn't get popped for PEDs. He might have been even – he would have been an all-star. He might have been starting the all-star game. He was going so good. But also, I think a team that really benefits from COVID-19 is the Houston Astros because the vitriol that was coming <laughs> their way – I mean, everywhere they go, Richard, they were going to get hammered. Now there's no fans in the stands. There's limited media. They're, they're kind of catching a break here. A big break. By the time I got to spring training, uh, you know, and I obviously know these guys very well, um, and let me just say parenthetically, everything that came out in the report, the A's have been saying for a couple of years. You probably heard it, yeah. you know. And I even joked, joked at one point, hey, "Why don't you guys bang this trash?" <laughs> and I don't think they thought it was that funny, but I thought it was, thought it was you know, like try to confuse them, bang the trash, bang the trash can. But there, by the time I got to spring training, they were worn down. You know, when they wanted seventeen, they were like people would. The thing people in Houston would ask me, "Are they really?" Do they really like each other that much? Do they really have that much fun? I mean, it was ideal. And they came, they, they helped the city at least emotionally recover from a, from a devastating hurricane. It was just, it was almost too good to be true. And now that tag, the worst thing you can have in this business is to have your reputation ruined. Because when you, have your, you lose your good name, you don't ever get it back. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, you, you don't get it back. By the time I got there, uh, the, guy, the Astros that I know the best seem diminished. They seem just sad 
to you know to have their reputation stain like that. And that first road trip was to Oakland and to Anaheim, and they were going to be those two places were going to be loaded for bear. And it, the problem in Oakland is that whether there's a big crowd or a little crowd, the people are very smart and they're very clever. I mean, what? <laughs> I don't know if you remember Josh Hamilton dropped the ball on the last day of the season one day and yeah, won the AL West. And I was, I somehow ended up in Oakland for opening the home opener the next year. <laughs> and the fans had all these signs and were throwing candy bars to Josh Hamilton, thanking him for the playoff appearance and, and all kinds of things. I mean, it was in a clever way, it was brutal, but this was not going to be clever. This was going to be, we hate you. We don't respect you. And you, that, I mean, we talk about athletes wanting to be mentally tough. You go try to play a season when the whole world roots against you. You know, maybe the Patriots thrived on it. Maybe the Raiders have thrived on it. But it is hard to do. And I can see the difference. So, yeah, not having people uh, booing them. And obviously, so much in the world has changed. How can you, you know, I don't even know if it's going to be possible to remember that you were mad at Alex Bregman. Um, and, I, and also, I'll say this. You know, the Red Sox and Yankees, information on them coming out. Everybody was trying to do it. Obviously, nobody was doing it as egregiously as the Astros were doing it. You know, the, you're the guy to ask. As you said, you you know these guys. It's just it's hard for me to believe, and you are correct, the A's were one of the first teams to complain to Major League Baseball. But if I, if I have a system and that system works – We've seen, I mean, the Patriots recently got popped again. They just lost a draft pick and over a million dollars for filming the Bengals. And this goes all the way back to their Super Bowl against the, the St. Louis Rams. If you do something that works, why would you not continue to do it? That's why it's so hard for me to believe that the Astros didn't have some type of system going in 18 and 19 when the commissioner says it was only in 17. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know about any of that. That's, see, that's the problem that came up during the World Series. It came up in the clinching game when Altuve homered off Chapman in the ALCS. You can't say, uh, well, that's not fair. No, you opened the door, and now everything on your resume is, comes into question. And, what, and it, you know, it's interesting. I think the Astros are going to be the most aggressive team at the trade deadline. And because they feel and the owner feels obsessive about trying to win again and maybe recovering a little of their reputation. But, you know, that's 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 never going to completely go away, um, but it would certainly alleviate things. When you look at August 31st and you think about guys that could be moved, and I think about the big contract and the rift between Nolan Arenado and the Colorado Rockies. We know Lindor doesn't want or is not going to re-sign in Cleveland. There's been talk about Chris Bryant potentially on the move. Could we see some huge names traded before August 31st? You know, part of me says no, because if you look at this season, and this was true before we had the delay, um, there were 20, 21 teams that believed they had a reasonable path to the postseason. I, I mean, look, I was looking at the projected standings this morning, and I think it's the NL Central. It's four teams separated by one game, things like that. Um, uh, so I, 
And I think a 60-game season would actually compress it even more and keep everybody in the mix. But you're right. And teams like that, like, I mean, I don't know what the Rockies are doing, honestly. But if you're going to – you can't shop a great player. You know what I mean? You can't shop a great player. If you're going to shop a great player, you buy God better trading because you've sent the wrong message. Uh, but that's 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 just another argument. So yeah, I think any of any of those things happen. The clock clearly is ticking on Lindor. I don't. I assume it's ticking on Arenado, but it's clearly ticking on Lindor. And uh, we'll see what happens. But you know, they, they. I see they're projected to be in a tie with the Twins or one game behind the Twins or something like that. So you never know. You know, you mentioned you know how many teams really having a shot, and that's why I just I just don't understand what Tony Clark and the Players Association, I don't get, they're, you know, they, they, they want to protect the right for a grievance. A grievance would right. take, I don't know, a couple of years. I mean, we could have had 16 teams. It could have been a true tournament feel. Uh, players in the playoffs that haven't been in the playoffs before, or Mike Trout, you know, really hasn't been in the playoffs other than one time. I mean, this could have been a lot of fun and good for baseball. What, what were the players – what was the Players Association thinking? Well, I think the background is they're unhappy with two of the last three free agent seasons as teams like the A's and the Astros and the Rays evaluate players differently. I think Farhan Zaidi said it best. Like for 40 years in free agency, we evaluated players based on what they had done. Now teams have realized that your peak performance here on average is 27 and that if you sign a 29 year old to a 10 year contract, you're going to, you're going to be left disappointed and they've stopped doing it. And so what, and, but the compensation system is set up to pay players in the second half of their career. That's what's going to be so difficult about the next collective bargaining agreement is the players are going to have to get more money in the first half of the career, whether that means dramatically increasing the minimum salary, starting the draft, uh, the free agent cost on the day they're drafted. I, I don't really know. But that's the backdrop, and that's the mistrust. And I covered all the labor trouble in the 80s and 90s, and but the mistrust is as bad now as it's ever been. So what the, you're right. The players wanted a right to file a grievance. Basically, I'm going to keep my lottery ticket because I might win three years from now. When they, they left money on the table, they left the expanded playoffs on the table. And I still think – I think Commissioner Manfred has really – wants to improve, to change the toxic atmosphere. And I keep thinking that we're going to get to a point. I thought this even last Monday, when the, right down to the, at the last hour, that they would come to some kind of agreement on, on, the, on the expanded playoffs. Because there are players that, just like you see, you know, we always hear about their split on the owner side. They're, all the players don't feel that they were well represented. But that's part of when you have these big, diverse groups that's good. That's going to happen. I, but I haven't given up hope on the expanded playoffs, but it looks pretty unlikely at this point. Let's end on this. I've been asking everybody during these times, everybody's doing a deep dive on something, whether it's Netflix, reading games, Hulu, uh, exercising. What have you been doing? What's what during this shutdown? What's been the big thing for you? Well, my my gym was closed up until three weeks ago, uh, but I have run every day. But I have gotten, I've done a deep dive on Netflix. I mean, I, this, uh, the, I, I binged the, the series Ozark, which is fantastic. I just binged, I've been binging Yellowstone, which is fantastic. 
And uh, a Netflix series, a lot of people maybe not heard. I think it's Death Do Us Part. It is great. So, yeah, I've done, I've watched too much Netflix. <laughs> well, you read them on MLB.com and you see them on the MLB Network. Richard, it's always great to catch up with you. You're one of the best in the business. Be safe and hopefully we'll be talking, next time we talk to you, we'll be talking about games. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. See you. Richard Justice. Coming up next, we're going to have Chris Rose from MLB Network and the NFL Network. He's high on the A's. I'm telling you, that's the one thing we've really noticed since I would probably say the winter meetings till now with all the national people we've had on, that a lot of people are high on the A's. They were high on the A's for 162 games, let alone 60. We've told you Jim Bowden from The Athletic and ESPN, former GM, he loves them. Richard Justice loves them. We'll see what Chris Rose thinks. I, and I, I, I really am interested in asking him about football, if he thinks football can go. You know, because they're acting like they're going to have people in the stands. There's no way. And if they're not going to have people in the stands, then they're going to have to have that conversation. Is he calling us or are we calling him? Uh, I'm going to have to call Chris. Is he going to be Google Meets or is he going to be by phone? It's over the phone with Chris. Okay, so if they're not going to have fans, the NFL is going to have to have the same exact conversation that Major League Baseball had to have with its players. Right? You think they're you you think the you think the NFL owners are going to be like, yeah, we're paying full boat. Oh, uh, we got so much TV money, we're going to pay full boat. I'm surprised they're not having that. You know, don't do what baseball did. You got to start having the conversation now. But everything's about leverage. Everybody wants to take it up to the brink of, oh my God, we're not going to play to get things done. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad how that's how sports has to do business? It's just, it's it's not smart. I, I've said it before. Whenever I do a deal, I want to walk away from the table, me feeling good and the other guy feeling good. Everybody's beak needs to get wet. And the negotiations between the players, yeah, I have heard that maybe we need to switch out the, 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 the guys negotiating. Maybe you need to get new people. Maybe you need to get people who want to do some compromise. And maybe you need to take Manfred out. Maybe you need to take Tony Clark out and get new people in there, new blood with the same objective, doing what's best for both parties. And as Richard Justice just said there, and something that I think we've, since the very start of launching A's Cast Live, we've been on top of it. You got to change the structure of how you pay the players. We want to pay these guys when they're good. That's when they deserve the money. Think about how much happier everybody would be if you said, you know what? You're at your best 26, 27, 28. Stop this arbitration nonsense. Say, pay these guys when, when they're good. And think about this. If I'm a player and I'm really good and you compensate me as that player, now when I get into my 30s, 
Now I'm not going to make as much money, but I'm okay with that because I got a ton of money in the bank. And now I'm just playing for the love of the game. These Albert Pujols type contracts do not work unless the guys are on steroids. If they're on steroids, well, yeah, they can still put up great numbers. But guys age. And a lot of things go in your 30s. Your flexibility goes. Rose, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, we are, are are doing well. We always appreciate you coming on A's Cast Live. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So we've been uh, kicking around this 60-game schedule, and, you know, there's a few teams that people really like, and one of them's the Oakland A's, and one of them's your Cleveland Indians. Um. Yes. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's interesting because those two teams in particular, um, they can be great for 60 games. It just depends which 60 we're talking about, right? Like for the A's, it always takes them to to mid-June, and then they just go crazy for the next three and a half months. So can Bob Melvin get them going where they pretend that July 24th is June 17th? And, uh, you know, for, for my guys in Cleveland, yeah, you know what? They're... They're a little lineup deficient, if you will. Um, It'll be interesting to see how they start a year without Kluber and Bauer now. Uh, But, you know, you think that starting pitching is pretty good. It's just a question of how early can they go deep into game, you know, for the Indians. So uh, do I think that both those teams will have a chance to make the playoffs? Yeah, good chance. Yeah, I do actually like Oakland a little bit more than Cleveland, though, when it comes to that. You know, we've been thinking like, you know, what what, what are our post-game shows going to look like? And I think about your TV show. I mean, we're so used to the marathon and not the sprint. And now it's a, it's a full-on sprint. And if you win three games in a row or four games in a row, it's going to be great. If you lose three, four, five in a row, it's going to feel like death. What do you think your TV show is going to be like during this time? Well, it'll be fun from the standpoint of that, Every night will feel like October. And you're right from the standpoint of if you do, let's say you have a five-game winning streak or a five-game losing streak, in a 60-game season, that's the equivalent of having a 13-game winning streak or a 13-game losing streak. If you have a 13-game winning streak during a season, your odds are pretty good you're going to go to October. If you have a 13-game losing streak during the season, I think it's pretty safe to say we will see it in 2021. Um, so I think that's the sort of stuff that makes it exciting, makes it so different because we're so used to playing the long game in this sport and you don't have time to do that. And I think that's going to be really fun. It's going to be difficult for managers, but it's going to be really fun for a fan base. We just had on Richard justice from MLB.com and the, in uh-huh. the, the two teams in the AL West that, you don't want to ever say someone's benefiting from this, but from the A's perspective, you're going to be able to have all your young hotshot pitchers. You're not going to worry about innings limits. They're going to get their 12 starts. That was a big thing we were wondering about in spring training. So that benefits the A's. And then the Astros, he was talking about by the time he got to spring training, these guys were worn out about the cheating scandal. And their first series was going to be in Oakland. Then they were going to have to go to Anaheim. 
I, I see COVID-19 with nobody in the stands. That's going to benefit, and really no media. That's really going to benefit the Astros because they were about to get beat down really fast. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's true. There's, there's no question about it, uh, that that's the way it was probably going to go. And um, so from that standpoint, you know, Dusty Baker doesn't have to answer all the questions moving forward. And, and more importantly, the guys that were there in, in 2017 uh, and 2018 don't have to answer the question, uh, most likely. So, yeah, that's a very good point. Um, and also, you know, you're talking about the health of certain players, certainly a Justin Verlander. There was some question about that at the beginning of spring training. There's not that question now. So, you know, I do think that the Astros will remain a prohibitive favorite in that division. Um, you know, and then they're followed by the, by the A's. Angels are improving. Uh, Rangers are getting there, you know, for the first time in a while, that starting rotation is really interesting. And Seattle is, well, Seattle, Seattle. <laughs> Full on rebuild mode. And then how about that? The way this thing's going to work out, we're, uh, we're all staying in the West. Oh, yay. We get to add the Dodgers. So not only do we have the Astros who won 107 games, we now get to add the Dodgers to the list who won 106. Yeah, no, I understand that, but really you could do that with almost every division, right? I mean, if you're in the AL East, let's say, and you're a contending team out there, or you're hoping to be a contender, let's say that the Yankees and Rays are true contenders, and with Boston, even though you got rid of Mookie Betts and David Price, you, and Chris Sale's not there, obviously, because of Tommy John, you still feel like, well, we got a decent team. Well, then you have to play, you know, the world champs and you have to play the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets are, are a solid team. Um, you know, the Phillies obviously. So I, I think you could do that with just about every division. So I'm not going to say, all right, well, it's not like they're playing 10 games against the Dodgers or they get four. So it's fine. We're starting to see players that are not going to play this year, and 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 I'm not going to judge them for it. We have no idea health situation for them, health health situation for their families. You know, the bad look was when you weren't playing because of money. But if you're going to opt out not to play because of COVID, I, I don't think anybody should judge these guys. Well, I'll take you one step further. If you judge those guys, I will judge you as being a bad human being. How's that sound? I mean, I think it's, I think it's a crock of you know what. If you're going to sit there and say, "Well, why aren't you playing? Would you, would you be in a scarcity?" I mean, it's not. Hey, listen, this is something that is unparalleled in the history of this country. I mean, we're talking about having to go back to 1918 when the world was an entirely different place, dealing with a a pandemic like this. Um, you do what you are most comfortable doing, and. I respect anybody's decision. If you want to play, I'm not going to judge you. If you don't want to play, I'm not going to judge you because I wouldn't want you to do that to me or my family or my friends. So if you're going to start sitting there saying, well, I can't believe that person's not playing, it's ridiculous. You might have to do a little bit of self-evaluation is my, my point. 
I, I told my audience today before you came on that, that, you know, I wanted to ask you also about the NFL. Of course, you work in the NFL and the NFL Network. And, you know, we're seeing how hard it is just to get baseball going. And I think about the NFL and they're acting like it's full steam ahead and we're going to have preseason games and regular season games and fans in the stands. I just I, I, I just don't see that happening. I, I just I think it's going to be do you think it's going to be really hard for football to get going? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, listen, the, you don't have to be a news hound to know that the numbers are not good across this country. And so for all of these leagues that are getting going, obviously baseball, we've seen soccer, uh, we're going to see basketball. The, the object is to keep the disease out, out of running through a clubhouse, through a league, uh, they are these these sports are taking huge precautions. Do we know if they're going to work? I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, the one thing that the NFL has had on its side is time, and that's why they were able to pull off free agency and the draft and the schedule release because those aren't on-field activities. Well, now we're less than a month away from the opening of training camp, and the reality is is that some of this stuff isn't probably going to shake out the way that the league thought. So to say that, you know, listen, that you can cancel preseason games at the drop of a hat, particularly when there's no fans involved. So you can just say, Hey, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. And, you know, if you, if you don't think that the NFL is, is looking at those scenarios and going through them each and every day and saying, we have to be, you know, we have to look at this situation by then, then I, I think you're you're mistaken. And just one more on football, and it kind of relates to baseball, because we just saw what happened between management and the players, because there's going to be no fans in the stands. If there's no fans in the stands in the NFL, are they going to have to have the same conversation about compensation because of, you know, not, not no nobody's in the suites. No one's buying hot dogs and beer. The parking. Are we gonna have to see the same conversations that baseball just had in the NFL? It's possible. I, I would assume. Um, I certainly think that if you're talking about contracts moving forward, my guess is that might have to do more with a salary cap in 2021. Um, you know, there's been reports out there. I'm not breaking any news here that you know, that the, the number might go down in terms of the salary cap. And when a number goes down, if there's less of a pie, then the average salary is going to go down. So, yeah, I mean, there are hurdles to clear everywhere. Um, and I do think the most important thing that can be learned through the relationship or maybe the lack of relationship that the players union and the ownership had in Major League Baseball was the ability to take a big step back and kind of see a broader look at things. Do we have to win every argument today if it will hurt us down the road collectively? And I, I think that that's the most important thing to keep in mind is what, I, you know, I totally respect the hell out of players who have a very small time frame for maximum earning power, okay? I get that. I also respect owners having to protect investments. Right. Nobody likes to lose money when they put it somewhere. I don't care if you're just playing small stocks or having 
multi-billion dollar corporations. Nobody likes to lose money. So I respect the negotiation process. But at some point, big picture has to take over. And it's not always about winning the argument to keep a marriage going. It really isn't. That is a very, very good point on marriage. Uh, you're not going to, well, you're probably as a guy going to lose most of the arguments. <laughs> well, or just not have them, in which case, you know, that way you can, re- you, you remain undefeated if you have um, a thousand ties on your belt. How much fun is it doing a show every day with Millar? He just seems like a guy that shows up every day with a smile on his face and life is good. Yeah, well, uh, he is, when I say he's literally one of a kind, you know, we all want to be, you know, special. You know, you're, uh, we were always taught as little kids, hey, remember, you're special. You're an individual. Like, I have never met anybody like him. And 99.9% of the time, that's great. It just feels like that 0.1% of the time is larger than 0.1. So I always explain to people who have never met him and always ask me the question about, hey, what's he like, you know, off the air? I always say he's exactly what you see on TV. And I always explain it this way, that his wife, that he's got four kids, but his wife's got five. Because she has to follow that guy around like he's 12. Um, He's a super fun dad. He's awesome. But he is all over the place. And, uh... That's fun and challenging and exciting and head scratching and mind numbing. And should I keep going or? No, I got you. I got you. Wait, one more baseball question. Uh, Everybody's looking forward to seeing how this is going to play out. You know, the one thing that I'm I'm looking forward to is can we see a guy hit 400 in, in these 60 games? What are you looking forward to with this with this quick sprint season? Well, I, I'm actually going to be the first to admit this. I don't want to see somebody hit 400 because I don't want everybody to come out and say, well, it was only a 60-game season. Like, I, I don't have time for that in my headspace. I want to see guys excel and do a great job. And um, I, I want to see some teams compete that haven't been there lately. I'd like to see the Padres who have spent some money over the last few years, who continue to be one of the game's best in terms of having a farm system. Like, enough of that. And Like, stop spending and stop being number one on the farm. Win some damn games and make the playoffs. Like, I want to see that happen. Um, you know, it'd be nice if, uh, if the Cincinnati Reds, who have made some serious moves, got it going. The White Sox. Like, I want to see all those teams stay in it. and. Um, I want to see a sprint in September. I really do, because I think that's going to be so fun. Could you imagine if half of the league or 20 teams were in contention with a week to go, how much fun that would be for the sport? It'd be great. Yeah, it would be. I've been ending all my interviews with this. Everybody's doing a deep dive on something, whether it's Netflix, it's reading, it's working out, games, Hulu. In the Rose family, what have you guys been doing a deep dive on? Well, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, my wife and I have, have polished off a bunch of series, um, you know, on TV and, and through our streaming devices. We've both been reading books, so that's good. Um, and then we do have Sunday night. It's nice. We have two boys that are 19 and 14, and 
for those people that have those ages, sometimes it's hard to get anything more than a grunt out of them before two o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, so every Sunday is, this is going to sound corny, but it's like family, family fun day in the sense of probably a little pool time in the afternoon. Uh, then at night, you know, we'll have, we'll have team dinner. And then, you know, the last dance was great for us because that's kind of what started the tradition is six straight Sundays we had it. And then we were like, well, what do we do now? So now we pick a movie uh, of the week. And usually it's like in 1980s. Like last night we watched um, My Cousin Vinny. So that was 92 or whatever. They liked it. We did Trading Places a few weeks ago with Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd. So I'm kind of like indoctrinating them to my childhood a little bit and my wife's childhood. So that's that's kind of been good. Nah, sounds great. Sounds like the family uh, getting together. It's uh, all these answers of what everybody's doing. Uh, like Richard Justice, he's hammered about a bunch of series on Netflix. Chris, we always appreciate the time. You're the best. And hopefully next time we talk, we're actually talking about baseball games. Yeah, hopefully. Let's keep our fingers crossed. And everybody, please stay masked and stay healthy, most importantly. Let's go. Take care, Chris. Thanks. You as well. Chris Rose from MLB Network and the NFL Network. He does a fantastic job, and they're, uh, I love their show. Their show's so good that ESPN carries it, so they're simulcasted. Pretty big deal, Commander. I know you're like, oh, it's not A's cast, but, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, they have a good show, and I like him and Millar. They have a good chemistry. Kind of like it sounds uh, – this is a little um, – Humble brag a little bit because uh, Hembo did it to him. He mentioned him interviewing uh, Pudge. I've talked to a lot of people that like really like the uh, dynamic that you and I have on this program. Uh, that's mainly you. I just add the. Who said that? I don't know, a lot of the Ace fans I talked to said they enjoy they enjoy ta- listening to us banter back and forth, which is I mean that's always good to hear. I'm not a talk show host or co-host or professional. I, I I'm behind the scenes. I'm good at the the stuff that people don't know about. So the, the being able to have the rapport with you, it's great. And Chris mentioned something in, in there at the end when he said he wants to see a sprint in, uh, in September. 26 of the 30 teams in baseball last year were all within five games of a postseason spot in September last year. Think about that. So you're, leaving, you're pretty much taking out Detroit, Baltimore, um, what, Kansas City. So it's, Seattle. Seattle, yeah. So that so it was twenty six of thirty in twenty in twenty nineteen, in twenty eighteen it was twenty two of thirty, twenty seventeen it was twenty four of thirty, twenty sixteen twenty three of thirty, twenty fifteen twenty five of thirty. So you got a good number, at least seventy percent of the league involved in playoff game and playoff races when September starts. Oh, God. Ken Korak trying to join early. Hey, do you know do you know the A's? Best stretch, 60 games last year, what it was? Uh, Off the top of my head, I do not. I can find it. The voice of summer, the voice of your Oakland Athletics, the great Ken Korak coming to you live from Sin City. Oh, no, you're back up here in the Bay. You're you're in P-Town. Yeah. I'm 20 minutes from the Coliseum there, pal. So, do you know the best 60-game stretch from the A's last year? I don't, but I would guess it would be something around 40 and 20, 41 and 19, something like that. You are very wise. You were close. 
their best stretch was 41 and 19. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was in the second half of the season, I presume. Yeah, cor- yeah correct. Because their worst stretch was uh, 29 and 31. <laughs> it's it's almost can like we need to get a uh, psychologist and get him in front of the A's and or maybe we mesmerize them, uh, put put them to sleep and then bring them and say, you, you already played half the season. We need to get it into their heads that, that they're like starting at midseason form because well, you, you get off to a slow start, man. Boy, you're in trouble. Well, it is the equivalent of starting a season after the All-Star break. So maybe there's something to that for the A's this year, right? And in, in that, you know, this the All-Star break is not the true halfway point. It's normally after you've played 81 games. So it's usually like 65 or 67 or 70 games. So I guess it's not that much different from maybe they can just say, okay, it's the All-Star break and now it's time to go. Well, we've been talking a lot about how COVID-19 is going to favor two teams in our division. One, the A's, obviously, where you are not going to have to worry about innings and limits for the young guys. You know, whether you're talking about Puck, Lozardo, Manaya, you know, everybody's going to get 12 starts and maybe they don't all get 12 starts because you got Chris Bassett. Uh, so you're not going to have to worry about that. And then also a major thing, because uh, Richard Justice was on the program, and he talked about how when he got to spring training for the Astros, they looked worn out already. And, you know, their first first time on the road, they were coming here. They, they were going to get beat up down in Anaheim. And the fact that there's going to be nobody in the stands, there's going to be very limited media, I think that really benefits the Astros, too. I do, too, Chris. And I've talked about that on a couple of the other shows I've done in, in that you're right. There was so much attention and focus on them during spring training. They won't have to deal with that. They won't have to deal with uh, hostile crowds on the road. I think the A's during their first homestand, if we had played the regular schedule, would have played the Astros. I think maybe the fourth or fifth game of the year on a Monday night would have been at the Coliseum. So they won't have to deal with that. And then the, there's there won't nearly be the kind of media scrutiny because all that will be closely monitored, like you said. In fact, we just got some of the guidelines that MLB has put out for us in the way that uh, the expectations for us to do our jobs. So there won't be one-on-one contact with players and staff, coaches, um, as you know, Chris. So uh, it is, it's, it's going to be a lot different. I don't know how much it's going to benefit them. I do believe this, I think, and this is a, this is, you know, having to thread a needle here, as all of us know, to get through this. And so the teams that can handle the guidelines, the protocols, and still focus on doing their jobs, the teams that are engaged in the season, I think will be the ones that have the best success. So we taught you about Google Meets when we were doing the series about the 70s teams. And I'm just going to say, you're welcome. We've now taught Bob Melvin how to use it. And that's going to be, you know, you'll be up in the press box and, and Melvin will be down in his office. And that's how that's how we'll do the Bob Melvin show. You know, I had, you know, I hadn't done an interview with you guys, one of the A's cast shows on this computer. So I had to download it again on this one. And I started to freak out because we were getting close to the starting time for the the interview. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, you're a seasoned vet. Now. Yeah, I've come a long way. <laughs> I wish we hadn't have 
had to do it all. But so Bo Mel is now adept at doing all this. I'm glad to hear that. Oh, you know what I like? Ken Korak, not only the voice of Summer, but also the IT guy for the A's broadcast team. Oh, then we're in bad shape. (laughs) (laughs) This is a true story. The Warriors have this thing where they asked some of the broadcasters to record some stuff last week where they they asked, I think, a representative from each of the teams to pick out a play from another sport. Like, I couldn't do a baseball play. So they assigned me the famous Baron Davis dunk in the 07 playoffs against the Jazz Yeah, over Kirilenko. Remember, that's kind of a famous play. Oh, no doubt. You know, they so they said, we want you to record that play. We'll send you the YouTube video of it. But we want you to shoot yourself on your iPhone recording it while you're looking at the play. And then they asked us to record a PSA. So there were two components of the thing. My wife has gone back to Vegas. So I'm trying to do this by myself. Now, the total running time of the two videos was about 90 seconds. It took me six hours over three days. <laughs> can, 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 can you send us your call? I'd love to hear it. Well, I threw a Holy Toledo in there. Oh, did you? There was an homage to Bill King and all the years that he did the Warriors. <laughs> sure, I had to do that, you know. Oh, that is all I want. We got we got to hear that here on A's Castle. I almost I almost snuck in a little Rick Barry and Al Adels and you know Mike Reardon and the fight during the championship series of '75 and Adels getting kicked out of the game. I almost kind of threw some of that in there, but didn't think that would go over too well. Well, that was the cool thing about your book was all these superstar people that you got to interview. I mean, you're bringing up Rick Barry, Hall of Famer. You think about John Madden. You think about, I mean, Tom Flores. I mean, so many greats you got a chance just to interview. That had to be the, uh, the highlight. It really was. And I've said this. I said it after we published the book because it was a daunting thing trying to write that book in 267 pages. I had a lot of help from my editors, uh, Pete Zanko, Steve Ketman, who published the book. But to get the motivation every day to grind this out, but the the people I interviewed, Chris, gave me the energy to do it because I would interview some of these iconic, so many of them iconic figures from the Bay Area, John Madden, the late, great Scotty Sterling, some uh, Giambi, the A's people, Roy Eisenhart. And I couldn't wait to start writing after I finished the interviews. So they really provided the impetus for the book. Too bad you didn't get to talk to Al Davis. No, I did not talk to Davis. I talked to Tom Flores, though. And I talked to Madden and, you know, the interesting thing and, you know, stop me if I'm getting sidetracked here, but the Flores interview, and I knew how much respect that Bill had for Flores and vice versa, but I called him. He didn't know me, you know, and and I called him out of the blue. I got, I got his number, told him who I was and what the project was about. And Flores said, you know, my wife and I are leaving the house right now. We're going on vacation. We're leaving in about 15 minutes. Can I please call you back when I get back? Because I want to make sure I have enough time to talk about Bill King. And that was the nature of doing the interviews for the book, that people wanted to make sure they had enough time to talk about Bill. Yeah, Tom, Coach Flores is, is a special man. I mean, he should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I've gotten no to know doubt. Him. Yeah, I got to know him over the years, you know, when I was doing uh, – 
God, I did so many different Raider shows. What was it? Raider round table or one of those shows. He would join me every single week and he's just a real special guy and uh, living the dream down in Palm Springs when it's not too hot, still getting out on the golf course. But you know, when you start thinking about this season, first of all, have you guys decided how things are going to work for you when you uh, show up to the Coliseum? I'm not sure it's been cast in stone, but we've got a pretty good idea. Matt Pearl has been great, very forthcoming. We spent a lot of time on it and going over guidelines. And I've talked to a lot of the other broadcasters around the American League, too. We spent a lot of time on this. And it looks like because there'll be no traveling, in other words, there'll be no visiting television, they'd all be in the visiting TV booth. And Vince and the great Michael J. Barrett, our engineer, will be in our regular in the Bill King broadcast booth. So I'll be right next door, which is okay, right? There's just a pane of glass right yeah, there. You can, see, you can see each other. That's the key. It's easy. It's a great view. So that it looks like we're going to do the home games and the road games from there. Well, so the road not- games will be that. That'll be a challenge. People have asked about that, but I'm not worried about it. Chris, we'll be broadcasting off a TV monitor. But I think our, our fans will be understanding. We're going to miss some stuff, and that's the way it goes. So we're going to try to be creative with it. I think we'll get a couple of monitors to work with. I, my understanding is, and I don't want to jump the gun on this because it's still tentative, but that we might get a high home shot, a separate high home shot, so we can see the fielders, the way they're, the way they're setting up, because especially with all the shifting now, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be blindsided on a ground ball at a shortstop, and there's nobody playing there. So, and then we'll get the regular feed that everybody will see at home that we'll pretty much call the game off of. How about we just ban the shift so you guys don't have to worry about <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, let's do that. And a <laughs> runner at second base to start the 10th inning and all that and the DH in both leagues. So, it'll be unique, that's for sure. And how, do you feel about, how do you feel about the runner at second base? Well... I'm tight. You know, you know, you know, I'm like the last guy to ask because when the game's over, I still I still got a broadcast. So while everybody else gets to go home, uh, you know, so for me, I hate those 14, 15 set because that means I'm not getting home till two thirty in the morning. So if right. that that's that, I mean, seriously, I mean, I don't like being out on the highway at that with, with you know potential drunk drivers around me. I, I I'd rather be home. So for me, if this is going to keep us from having these late broadcasts, I guess I'm all for it. Yeah, and, I, and my feeling about all that, too, I'm sure you agree, is this is a one-time deal this season. Whatever they want to do is fine. Yeah. You know, because we don't have any idea really how it's all going to look and how it's all going to play out. So if they want to do it for this year, it, it's it sounds to me this might be something Rob Manfred really wants to do, though, even in a normal year. So I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I'm more of a traditionalist when it comes to extra innings, but... You know, I've mixed some of those 18 or 19 inning games that you're there all night. They become just kind of wacky in their own way. They take on a life of their own. So I can't say I've really enjoyed being at the ballpark till one o'clock, but there is something that that becomes really amusing about it. The, the, The argument, like if I was to say I'm pro for it, my argument would be this, is that I know for a fact by when we start getting into those games, Everybody's gone in the stadium. Nobody's listening on the radio. No one's watching on TV. So it's like, I get how it's traditional, 
but everybody's not consuming it anymore. So if I right. was pro that, I'd be like, well, once I get in the 12th inning, I got nobody in the stands. No one's watching on TV. What's the point? Except for the postseason, right? You can't do it in the postseason. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. It'd be like uh, the U.S. Open at Wimbledon. You're not going to have a tiebreaker in the fifth set of the championship match, right? You're going to play until it's over. But what's going to happen is the A's are going to use Jorge Mateo to pinch run. And then they're going to walk the next hitter. So now you're going to have first and second and nobody out. And then Bo Mel is going to have a decision to make, depending on who's batting. Are you going to sacrifice or is the hitter going to swing away? So, you know, I don't know. It's, I guess, the strategy, how managers approach it will be pretty interesting. I, there, there could be a potential kind of change the way, in the way we play. You know, because it's not 162 games. You know, if you get off to a bad start as a player, you could dig a hole and you're going to press. I got a feeling we're going to see more contact than we, we I'm just, I think we're going to see less strikeouts. I think we're going to see more contact. I just think there's going to be this urgency that's going to take us. And as you just said, the strategy of the sacrifice bunt. I th- what do you think? I think we're going to see a little more old school baseball. I haven't thought about it. It makes sense. I do, you know, the, the bullpens are going to be a huge factor early. That's one thing we know because there's no way that the starting pitcher is going to be ready to go f- even maybe five innings, right? So bullpens are coming in early. That's going to be a big factor, I think, early in the season as far as strategy. The other thing is the trading deadline is August 31st. So if you've got guys that are going to be free agents and especially with Question marks, we have no idea how the economics are going to look going into the offseason. How many guys might be traded after playing just one month? My opinion is, I think quite a few. And, you know, I start looking at, like, look at Arenado and the tumultuous offseason he had with the Colorado Rockies. Do they want to dump that contract and get him out of here? Think about Lindor. Think about Chris Bryant. I, I, I could see some big name guys changing teams by August 31st. Could happen. It really, it really could. And that's just part of the unknown. We're going into the, into the unknown here. Right. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Richard justice made a good point. There's kind of rumors around Houston that they're going to look for a big splash because they're embarrassed. And They've been basically everybody's looking at them like they're they're frauds. So th- they're going to go all in for another title because another title will somewhat people won't forget the cheating scandal. But if they win another one or two, then they can say, "See, we really are champions." So that's going to be in our own little division here, the West. That's going to be something to watch if they're looking to make a big splash. Well, Richard really knows the game, and he's very well-connected, especially down in the Houston area. I'm glad you had him, had him on, Chris, because he, he does a great job. You mean like a starting pitcher? I He he just said a big splash, so I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe. Because they lost Cole, right? They've had some yeah. injuries, too. So, yeah, I guess, you know, I, yeah, I can see that. I can see where they're coming from. I can't see. I know Jim Crane has talked about this, their owner. Uh, fans going to the ball games there in Houston or in Texas or in Dallas, Arlington, I guess, to be specific. I, I, I know they've talked about it, but I just can't see it happening. And but I won't make those decisions. No, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, especially, you know, I, I, I spoke with uh, – who, who was it? I think it was Xfinity. 
and the guy was down in Houston and because uh, my cable box went out and he was talking about how bad it, how fast it's spreading in Houston right now. So the whole thing about fans, there's going to be no way they are going to have fans. You know, realignment has happened in all of sports. It's changed. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, it was ridiculous that Atlanta and Cincinnati and Houston were in the NL West. Right. Remember in football, the Niners were in a division with the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. It was ridiculous. Now we're going to see truly the West. We're going to get this taste where we play the Giants more. Now the Dodgers come to town more. Now you're playing the Padres. You're playing the D-Bat. You're playing teams on the West. We'll still have to deal with Texas and Houston. But once we start getting this taste of L.A. versus the Bay Area more than just the Angels, you think we could maybe see some realignment happening, which would be better for the West Coast teams because it's less travel. That's definitely a benefit that the East Coast teams have. I don't think there's any question about it. I think it could really happen. Yeah, I I, I think you're right. I think after this season, it'll be almost like anything goes. Now, those kinds of things may have to be negotiated. You're right. If you want to cut down on travel too, a travel expense, the problem for the West has always been that it's not really a Western division. When you have a situation where you have the Astros and the Rangers in there, not even in the mountain time zone like the Rockies in the NL West. I mean, they're in the central time zone. So, yeah, I think I think there's a there would be a decent chance. The other thing I think is going to happen, Chris, not too far off, is expansion. Because now you add two more teams, you've got 32 teams. You're going to have eight leagues, eight divisions of four. And the other thing is that that's going to bring a lot of money into the game. Right? If it if it if it's going to cost you a billion dollars to buy in as the owner of an expansion team, that's a lot of money going into the game at a time in which baseball, like all like everybody, in, you know, citizens and businesses alike, most of them are scuffling right now. So I I think you're going to see that too, and it would be great if we could get at least one team out here in the West and at least try to eliminate the travel down to Texas and, and really have a true Western division. Yeah. My rule of thumb, if I was commissioner, if I can't get on a Southwest flight and get to you in under three hours, you should be. <laughs> in the same division. Okay, Bill. All right, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've done so many interviews this off season. I don't know who said this to us, but it made great sense of putting a expansion team in Portland to give the, really the Mariners a rivalry and cut down the Mariners travel is the Seahawks, the Mariners, their travel is so ridiculous. That would help help them so much. And, and to me, I mean, look, look what happens at our ballpark when the Giants come to town. Look what happens to our ballpark when we've seen the Dodgers come here. The interest is just so much. Look how I mean, our, our, our attendance would go way up because of it. Well, in, in Montreal, too. So how about, you know, Chris Townsend's the commissioner of baseball. Yes. And we add Portland and Montreal, and the A's division would be Seattle, Portland, A's, Angels. Those would be the four teams. Am I forgetting anybody out here? What are you going to do with the – oh, for the – I'm talking about well, – you want the Giants and everybody else, too. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, you could have – you could still – I don't know. Maybe it would be like the Western Conference – Two or something. I don't know. You could have the Giants in uh, Arizona, the Padres. You'd have to have one more team too, right? Uh, 
Arizona, right? Arizona, Padres, Dodgers, Giants would be the four teams. Then you'd have those eight teams in like the Western. Yeah. We're getting way off point here, pal. This is that'd be, that'd be like the Western Conference. Now we're sounding like the NFL or something. <laughs> and you kick the Rockies. Right. Into the, kick, them into the world. kick the Rockies in with the Astros and the Rangers. I, I think we've solved I think we've solved all of our problems, man. We're ready to go. Get, Man, get Cody, get Manfred on the line. Ken Korak and I are changing the game of baseball. I right? think Manfred has more important things to worry about right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, Ken, if you gotta take Manfred and, and Tony Clark out of it, but cooler heads gotta get in there and be able to negotiate and you know, in a, a good negotiation is when both sides walk away and you both feel good about it. We need to have that, especially after we get through this season and they're negotiating the offseason. Because if anybody was right, it was Trevor Bauer. You guys are taking this thing off the cliff. I mean, it's you're going to kill the golden goose. You, we, we need some cooler heads in there to, to, to get a deal done that's good for everybody. You're talking about the CBA, which expires after next year. Correct. I was really hoping, as we knew there would be acrimony in this negotiation, that they could reach an agreement rather than a mandated season, and that there would be a structure in place to get working on what will happen with the next CBA, because you can't, you can't put the baseball fans through this again. So if there was some positive momentum going to resolve all the issues so we had years and years of peace between the two parties, I think from a PR standpoint... Uh, that would have really mollified a lot of the fans. Well, a good host always brings it back to himself. So I need to tell you the story, Ken. Uh, I recently got fitted for new golf clubs, and it was one of the best things I have ever done. You got PFGs, right? PXGs? No, no, I went with Titleist. So okay. I had the I, I had the Titleist guy. I mean, we went through irons, we went through wedges, we went, I, I probably hit like 200 golf balls. I was so sore the next day, I could barely get out of bed. But getting fitted for the first, you know, I'm a media guy, so I've always gotten clubs for free. But for the first time, I'm going to have clubs that are meant for my body. And it was a lot of fun. I'm getting the T100 Titleist irons. I'm so excited. They're a little backlog right now because of COVID-19. But the minute I get those new clubs, we got to go out and swing it. It warms my heart to readily admit that you've lived your life on scholarship. That was good to hear, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I once got coined America's guest. (laughs) Well, I've never gotten fitted, so, and I've been playing forever. And I actually tried, you know, I tried to play a little bit. And, uh, so, yeah, I'd love to play when we get a chance. You know, hitting, I think we talked about this last time, that just going to the driving range is like the best release for me right now. It's the, the, the head-clearing experience that seems to work the best right now. Yeah, there's three things I've been doing. I've been riding my bike every day. I've been swimming every day. And every day I go across to the park from my house, and I take a bunch of balls, and I just go from infield to infield because I got Little League fields all mm-hmm. around. I mean, so trying to swing it every day. Yeah, you're right. For me, I take a cocktail over there and start hitting some balls and it just makes me uh, forget about everything going on in the world. Yeah, exercise is really important too right now, isn't it, Chris? I mean, it's for, for you know, being healthy because it's been, it's been a really intense time. I don't know that any of us has ever, I know we've never been through anything like this before and 
on so many levels, it's been an extremely difficult last three and a half months. Well, I can say, you know, one of the things that's so odd is like, you know, we'd be X amount of games deep into the season. I listen to you every single day. I miss you. I miss the guys. I miss seeing everybody. And it's good that we do this Google meet so we can see each other, but I can't wait for a time to where we're just talking baseball and uh, we get back to our normal routines. And they're going to begin summer training in a couple of, it's what I think the fourth, the third or fourth will be the first day. They're actually out working out at the Coliseum. So it won't be too long before they're out there. And I'd like to get out there a little bit. I'm not sure how much, how many of the restrictions will be in place, but you know, maybe I can get out there and report back to you guys a couple of times from the workouts at the Coliseum. Yeah, it's summer camp. You're gonna get summer a brown, camp, right? Yeah, you're gonna get a brown bag lunch with orange slices and. I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, this is. I really think it's going to be a difficult thing to pull off, but I believe. For everyone involved, and there are three tiers, tiers one, two, and three, and all the categories of people that will be involved with their various roles. But the understanding of how difficult it's going to be, I think, is one of the keys because that may heighten the sense of having to be as diligent and and following the guidelines and the protocols as well as you can possibly do it right now, Chris, because there are so many links in the chain. And if one of those links falls off or gets broken, then that's where you can have trouble. So everybody's got to be dedicated to this, don't you think, going forward to make it happen? It's what's happened in the KBO. I mean, every guy takes his temperature in the morning, reports. Every guy gets his temperature taken when they get to the ballpark. They all understand that they, you know, they need to live in a bubble. And it's, you know, it's one thing if we're asking to do it for six months. It's one thing we're asking to do it for a year, two years. We're only asking two months. It's right. two months. And I even asked my wife, I said, you know, if I was a major league baseball player and we had just got married and we had young kids and I have to leave you for two months, you know, with all the technology, like what we're doing now and seeing each other, how would you feel? And she goes, I'd tell you to go play. Yeah. You know, it's your service time. It's money. It's like, you know, I mean, and, and, and guys who don't want to play because of the virus, I totally understand. I'm not going to judge you whatsoever. Um, but if I can play, I would play. Even if I have to be away from my family, it's it's just two months. And I think the twins, wasn't it the twins who told a couple of their coaches who are like 65 and 68, I think respectively, uh, we would like you not to be on the field during the games. Have They'll be maybe in a different capacity, but not nearly as involved as they would be. So I thought that was a great sign by the Minnesota ball club. I don't, I don't think they'll be the only ones. You know, I heard Jake Diekman on, I think it was the Buster Olney podcast last week. Yeah, um, Aaron, Aaron Dolan was on and she's, she was great. Uh, Sean Doolittle's wife. And Diekman was talking about the, the, the players have to police themselves and it shouldn't be that hard for a couple of months. And so the leadership coming within the ball club, and I thought the things that he mentioned about that and that self-policing, I thought really showed me a lot. And, you know, it can with, 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 with the spread spiking in some certain areas, you know, it, it looks like bars are going to be closed. So the bars probably will be closed down for the next couple months. Uh, that could be good for baseball because young guys want to get out. 
Uh, there's not going to be many places for them to go. It's, it's just we're asking for two months. We and- all have to, we all have to play our part in the country, right? Don't you think? I mean, that's it's, it. Shouldn't be that hard. I know this is a brutally lethal and contagious virus, but we have to play. We all have to play our part. And look at golf. Or otherwise. Look at golf. Golf's making it happen. I mean, that's social distancing in golf. Uh, we have social distancing in baseball. I mean, we have these big stadiums that are empty and you can spread everybody out. And Bob Melvin can be spread out and he can turn around and yell at a guy, you're pinch hitting and the guy come down. I mean, and then guys like yourself and Fossey and Dick Callahan, we got to bubble wrap you guys. <laughs> well, and they've got the right guy running the club, right? I can't imagine you could have a better person for these times to be the manager of your ball club. And especially with the really high expectations surrounding the A's going into the year than Bo Mel. The A's are fortunate to have him. There's no doubt about it. Thank you for the time. Everybody misses your voice. Be well. And as uh, soon as I get the sticks, let's tee him up. Okay, buddy. It's good to see you. And it's good to see the commander. So we'll talk to you soon. The great Ken Korak, the voice of summer, right here on A's Cast Live. I really want to hear Ken's uh, reenactment of the Baron Davis dunk. Yes, we have to get that. Because I was just listening to the Mike Tirico, Hubie Brown call where my, uh, um, Tirico does the play. I'll see if I can pull it up on the, the com- yeah, computer here. Because I pulled up on my other computer. That might be the best posterized dunk of all time. I wish I had Tim Roy's call, but I, I it's easier to find the uh, the Mike Tirico, um, Hubie, uh, Hubie Brown call. Let me see. George. Verizon knows how to build on. Right, hold on, there's an ad. Let the ad play first. Jordan had one against Ewing that was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Just trying to think. Dr. J. Uh, here, all right, here we go. All right. Because a lot of good things will happen, not just with him scoring, but then also an open up. Oh, man! Hello. I love the timeout in Barron's house. You want to talk about a guy that didn't didn't fulfill his career? I mean, he's probably he's going to be a guy that looks back and goes, "Man, I could have had a much better career." And he made good money, no question. He's fine, but I mean, even he tried to come back. He did the thing with the the big three or whatever. You know, Baron, when Barron wanted to play, he was a terrific player. And there was other times where Barron would seem like he was coasting. Uh, averaged 16 points and seven assists in his career and 835 games. That's pretty serviceable. I mean, being a first-round pick out of, what, UCLA? Yep. He was, a, he was what, was Charlotte, and then the Warriors got him. And he was great for the Warriors. That was, that was the We Believe team. Uh, you're wearing a Warriors shirt right now. I'm wearing a We Are Warriors 2013 conference semis. Well, you know, all these years doing Warriors pre and post, I have a bazillion of these yellow shirts. You have a bunch from the more recent ones, like from the Steph Curry, Kevin Durant era. So those ones like that and the and the We Believe are the ones that people will probably cling to more, especially the We Believe. But that, that one you have there, I think what, they played the Spurs in the second round after they beat – Denver, 
uh, that was a pretty good playoff run too because that started everything for essentially for the Warriors with under Mark Jackson, and then it kind of just took off from there when Steve Kerr came over. I'll never forget. I'm doing the show with Rick Buecher, and we're outside the arena, and I'm watching these people walk up in brand new We Believe shirts. And I'm saying to myself, how's this possible? That was a giveaway from years ago. What, 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 when, 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 in the We Believe season, was it Fox Sports or was it now Comcast Sportsnet? Well, it's a good question. Uh, let me see if I can find the answer to that. Whatever it was, our, our cable sports channels here in the Bay Area. That was a giveaway. And now the Warriors re-brought it. They, they repurposed it, and they're selling it in the team store. And I'm like, that's genius. You took a giveaway that was so popular. And now you're selling it in your team store, and everybody's buying it. I'm like, that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant it was a uh, comcast sports net bay area the a's did that last year when uh we had the 89 reunion they repurposed uh t-shirts and i bought one i bought one of the shirts that said bass brothers on it for mcguire and canseco like it's did they have that shirt in 1989 oh i, 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 I don't know i was only uh six months old when that happened you, but you see what i'm saying yeah, yeah that's there weren't what... there weren't you know the giveaways were different back then oh yeah you know it, it was helmet day it's bat day it's beach towel you know and that was a slogan that a Warriors fan created. Maybe, did they give away shirts back then? Yeah, I'm telling you, when you watch old games, and I first, Casey Pratt with ABC used to be with Comcast, and I used to do A's pre and post game live um, when Brody was out. And I remember it was the MC Hammer game. This is years ago. And we're going, they, 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 the, the camera panned the stands, and we're, we're creating video for the show. And I said, stop, pause it, rewind that. I said, do you notice? It's a packed house. I go, do, do you notice something? I said, look, no one's wearing A's gear. So you go back to this old footage. People weren't wearing merchandise. Very rare would a guy maybe have an A's hat on. To where now everybody, they figured this thing out. It's absolutely brilliant. They made you a part of the story. They want you to feel it. you got to have your A's gear. Everybody's got to have gear now. Back in the olden days, you just wore your clothes and went to the game. Hell, I've seen photos of A's games. I've seen photos of Raiders. Old school Raider games, way, way, way back in the day, people wore suits to the game. Now everybody's got to be geared up because it makes you a part of it. I have so much A's gear. I have so much Raiders gear. It's stupid. My 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 wife's like, where are you gonna? You can't wear all this. Where are you gonna put it? You've seen how many A's hats I got. I would say your A's hat is very uh, is very extensive. Your collection. It's funny you mentioned. I put on. I don't know why. I went down a, an Undertaker rabbit hole yesterday. The great Mark Calloway, who has not officially retired from wrestling, but everyone thinks he has. But I was watching. His he's got to be 50, almost 60. 55 ish. 
So his first match was Survivor Series 1991, and I went back and watched, and or it was um it was it was 91 was when he faced Hogan and won the title. I'm looking in the crowd. I couldn't tell you how many like I saw so many fans wearing A's hats in Detroit in 1991. The A's were the big dogs in the late 80s, early 90s. It, it was it was a, it was they like were rock stars. It was the coolest thing to see to see like a bunch of people wearing A's hats there. I think I even saw a. Uh, uh, an A's jersey somewhere in the crowd, too, because the reason we're talking about the rabbit hole is yesterday was the anniversary of The Undertaker throwing Mankind off the top of the cell through the announce table. I don't know if you ever saw that video. That was a pretty big deal. I mean, it happened. I said it was a top three moment in the history of Pittsburgh sports, but it's just because of what happened. But that's what got me into it. And then I watched that Survivor Series, and I saw all the A's fans, and I'm like, this is like right after – this is the Bash Brothers. This is after the 89 World Series. Like, showed you how popular the A's were back in the – Late nine or late eighties, uh, early nineties. So I have three different A's Titleist hats. I've got just about every version of hat that they have. My favorite, though, might be this one Fourth of July hat. It's it's red, white, and blue. It's a sick hat. It's one of my I, I rare. There's certain hats I bust out for. Uh, I'll bust out for big time games. Then I got some, I mean, I probably got, hell, I might have like 15 A's hats. Are you going to take, take it with you to the lake this weekend? You know, it's 4th of July. No, don't take your bandana or visor off on you, but I would I would maybe take that hat with you since it's 4th of July. That's what I need. I need an A's visor. Uh, By the way, I, I have supported. I actually, um, when they were having that big sale, I bought three new A's polo shirts for work. It was a smoking deal, and I'm like, I gotta take advantage of that. One still hasn't come yet. Two, two have shown up. One still hasn't come because they're so back. Fan, fan, fanatics, so back. That's the thing. It's like I, I, I got these clubs ordered, and you want, like, you want to get them in a week. They're like, yeah, it's not gonna be for a couple weeks. I'm like, really? But we, that's. I would say we ordered a new barbecue last night because we don't have one here at our apartment, so we ordered one for Fourth of July. We ordered it yesterday. It'll be here, I think, tomorrow or or Wednesday, like that quick, but. You order a set of golf clubs, it's going to take months to, to, to get over here. My daughter's bike, she ordered a new bike, and it's still not here. And this was weeks ago. You got everyone on the bike train, it seems like now. Everyone's oh, become yeah. a cyclist. Even my, even my wife bought a bike. So, everyone, so everyone's a we're cyclist. Gonna, we're going to be biking around the neighborhood as a family. Uh, well, you're all invited for Wine Wednesday. Make sure you wear that cyclist dad shirt you have, too, please. <laughs> For Father's Day is a joke. They gave me a uh, cycling dad's. Uh... I have a route. I'm biking 13 miles a day. And then I go to the pool and swim. And I do 50 laps. I've been doing it every My stamina has completely changed. And it looks like, uh, it looks like from what the conversation we had with Hembo, it seems like you are coming around on the idea of converting to White Claw, which will help you even more when you want to. If you're trying to shed the shed the weight and 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 be conscious of what you're eating and drinking, it's the way to go. Hundred calories in a can. I I I'm more interested in this high noon, and we need to see if we can find it. I I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go to the store after the show today, just because we have to go, and I'll, I'll see if they have it anywhere, and, and I'll send photo proof if we if I find it. I mean, if they if we high noon, high noon sounds like okay, that's something I'll be interested in. White claw. I, I couldn't believe that he thought I was laughing at him for for uh, liking it when no I was 
I'm agreeing with you. I, I, it's good to have. There's Melissa right there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm excited. You know, there's a lot of things that I'm fired up for. Uh, I was just talking to Ken Korak about it, how I, I've always kind of looked at realignment. I don't think teams in Texas should be in our division. I have a little joke. If I can't get to you in three hours on a Southwest flight, we shouldn't be in the same division. Uh, we, we could see a 400 hitter. I, th- I think there's a lot of like fun things that we're going to, we're going to see this season. Yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, 60 games. There's a lot of craziness that can happen. And I think, um, but you're right. I, I've never understood how Houston in particular could be in the same division as Seattle. Yeah. And when we start looking at how this is going to go, there's quite a few people that think this, this, this actually fits for the A's. This 60 games will help with the young pitching. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it certainly has the chance to do that. It's one of those things where you never know exactly how everybody's going to come out firing, you know, with a layoff like this. But obviously, they don't have to worry nearly as much anymore about how they're going to stretch out the innings that are going to be allotted to the young pitchers. Um, in 60 games, there's, you know, really no innings limit that they could hit, uh, even if they went deep into the postseason. So that sort of those reins are off. Um, they've got a lot of young arms that they can cycle through from the guys that are not going to necessarily start on that 30 man opening day roster. And uh, it gives them a lot of flexibility to try some things out, too. I think you might even see a little tandem starting or something like that to start the year. Well, you know, when we were down at spring training and doing the Bob Melvin show, he broke the story here on A's cast about A.J. Puck being shut down. You know, you think if we're going to start the season, A.J. Puck would not have been he would have been on the D.L. I mean, that's one thing to look positive is, he, you know, hopefully he's had the time and he'll be raring to go. Yeah, you know, and I, it, it looks like he's coming back healthy, and, and I think that is definitely a huge positive that uh, it turned out, one, that it was not a serious thing, that it was something that was able to resolve itself um, and it, with a little bit of time off and, and um, you know, scaling back the throwing that he was doing. But, yeah, I mean, they, they'll have all the horses ready to go at, at the gate, it looks like, or at least at the start of this training camp. And um, I did a simulated season um, in OOTP with um, – the way things had been set up and he was on the, the entered list for the first part of that season that ended up, you know, coming back around mid June or so. So, I mean, that might've been the reality had, had things gone differently. So I think it, that's definitely a bonus for them. So uh, how did the A's do in your simulated season? <laughs> well, they, they were, they were in a monster division where the uh, angels and, and uh, Astros ended up finishing the regular season with the same record. They had to play a game 163 to determine who won the division the uh, Angels won that. The Astros played the A's in the wild card. The A's won the wild card, but then lost in the divisional series to Tampa, who won 103 games. So um, it was it was a, a, a good to see them win a postseason game. Not so good to not make it further than the division series, but at least they got that far. And they ended up, I think, with 95 wins in the regular season. How does that work? How, how when you with these similar? I mean, every a lot of people are doing them. How does it work? Yeah. If, you know, this one's a pretty fascinating game. I mean, I, if, if you have the time and you want to sit around and play on your computer, it's pretty fun. And basically, they bring in rosters that goes all the way down to your rookie level uh, for each organization. In our league, we had actual, you know, live GMs for each team. So we could make trades and, do, you know, you do waiver wires, there's injured lists and stuff. And then um, you can simulate it game by game. Or in, in our case, we had a commissioner that would simulate, you know, series at a time. So essentially, we would 
see the results after a four-game series or a three-game series or what have you. Um, and we'd make adjustments if there were injuries. We'd have to go and bring somebody up or send somebody down if they weren't performing. And, uh, you know, it really allows you to sort of see all the different things that you have to deal with if you were a front office person. Um, there's even players asking for extensions and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it goes on. So our, we'll actually – I had been writing updates on it. We're not going to keep um, writing them since we have real baseball to talk about, but we're going to keep it up in terms of just playing amongst uh, the, you know, the other GMs that we were doing this league with. And I'm, I'm kind of excited with how the 2021 team is setting itself up too. Oh, I would be horrible at this because I'd be like, Matt Chapman, here's $200 million. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Matt Olson, here's $175 million. Uh, Marcus Simeon, here's $100 million. Please tell me you made a trade. Oh, I made a bunch of trades. Yeah, no, I was, you know, at first I had to start off. And of course, so one of the other benefits the A's will have with this 30-man roster is they don't have to make a decision on guys like Jorge Mateo, um, you know, right off the bat who are out of options. But I had to because we were starting our season with the 26-man roster. So I I ended up trading him at the start of the season. Um, I dealt uh, Dustin Fowler at the start of the season as well. And then as the season went on, I made a a few other adjustments. and uh, made a trade with the Orioles to bring in Tanner Scott to be like a, a left-handed closer setup man behind uh, Liam Hendricks, which was helpful in the bullpen. Um, and then did end up, uh, this one was hard for me to do, but I did trade Stephen Piscotti because um, there was so much outfield depth. I was trying to clear some salary in, uh, in future years for um, trying to bring in a Simeon or somebody like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You had to weigh all those different decisions. There's a budget, you know, so you, as much as I would like to just give all those guys $100 million each, you, you kind of have to stay within what they've determined uh, John Fisher's budget to be. So it's, it's a, it puts the test to you to kind of figure out what to do. Forget Trader Jack. It's Trader Melissa. Right. Yeah, exactly. Although there were some even more aggressive GMs in this league. Uh, the Rays ended up making several blockbuster deals uh, to get to where they were at the end of that season, including they traded Wander Franco, who's the top prospect in all of baseball, to get a big package from the Rangers that included Joey Gallo. So it was really interesting to see what these different GMs would do if they were in charge of their teams. And uh, I had a lot of fun when we didn't have real baseball to talk about. It was a pretty fun uh, distraction. Do we have a name for this group of guys that's just going to be hanging out and, and playing? And if someone gets COVID, somebody will replace them, a taxi squad, or do we have a name for it? You know, I think we're trying to get one because it's not really the taxi squad. Because I mean, the taxi squad is those three guys that will travel with the team on the road. Um, and then, you know, alternate group sounds weird. I, I don't know. The headline that was on my piece today about the 12 guys that have been announced and the guys that are likely to join that group, what they called it, the alternate A's, which kind of works from an alliteration standpoint. Um, I was joking with Zach Bash, the director of uh, minor league operations. It should be the Bash brothers. <laughs> he's, he's kind of overseeing them all. But, yeah, we don't really have a good name for it yet. And I, I, I don't know, maybe it'd just be better off calling them the Las Vegas Aviators and, you know, each team's AAA affiliate. That might make it just a little simpler for us to conceptualize a little bit. You know, it's obvious that you want to get you, – you don't want your top prospects to not play – for God, for minor leaguers, they don't play as long because right now these big leaguers that are going to sit out, I mean, you're missing basically 18 months of baseball. So I guess it would be more like 19 to 20 uh, months that you wouldn't play. So you want these guys to play just so they can continue to get better. Solarstrom, the, the number one pick, he's going to go and play because you don't want him being off that long. Robert Poisson, the shortstop who's 17 out of the Dominican, He's not on the list yet, right? 
Yeah, but um, he should. It, uh, so the guys that are kind of coming in from um, being back home in Latin America and Dominican are, are coming over and they need to be screened first to make sure that they're not um, positive for the coronavirus. And I think they even need to do a quarantine for a week or two. Um, but once they've cleared those hurdles, then, um, yeah, Poisson and then also the outfielder, Brian uh, Boulevard, who's a really exciting kid out of Columbia, just turned 18 earlier this month. He's expected to be part of that group as well. And, um, you know, I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see how they match up against guys that have been playing professional baseball for seven, eight, nine years. Because, you know, um, Boulevard has one year in pro ball and, and Poisson was looking to make his professional debut so it'll be up to the up to the test right away and then Soderstrom I mean some of the arms he's going to be catching in that alternate group he's going to be a pretty well-seasoned catcher by the time he's done you know what I found this out from my brother uh because he's a member at San Diego Country Club and a bunch of the Padre guys are there they were smart they didn't they didn't they I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or what they kept a lot they kept their Latin American guys in Arizona because they knew if they go home it's going to be tough to get them back. Yeah. I mean, I think the kids that are from Venezuela, I think a lot of them had to stay because there were a lot of, there were going to be a lot of issues with getting kids back and forth from there. But um, you know, it's hard to keep people away from their families, especially when there's this sort of really scary health situation going on. And and for a lot of these guys, they're, I mean, they're really kids, you know, they're 17, 18, 19 years old. And um, I can't imagine being that age in a different country with this sort of thing going on, not, not being able to be around them you know, my, my family. So, um, I think they probably just sort of did, a, a, you know, what was best for each kid and, um, yeah, hopefully they'll come back and test negative and then they'll be able to, to join as soon as the quarantine's up. But, um, you know, the, the good thing about Boston in particular, had he'd been living in Arizona, I think pretty much full time for about six months had gone to take English classes at Arizona state. So he was really getting a good feel for, you know, life in America. And that's a big part of the adjustment for these kids just in general is, is that, you know, element of it. Um, this will kind of continue that education for him, which I think will be really helpful. And he, I got a chance to meet him when I was there in March, and he's a really bright, um, you know, fun kid who seems to work really hard. And I think he's going to be fun to watch. He's 17 years old. It's like, oh, yeah. Can you imagine going to a four? Let, let's say you get drafted by, I don't know, I've been to Japan a couple times with the A's, right? Can you imagine if I was 17 years old, got drafted by a Japanese team, and I got to go live there? And I don't know the yeah, like yeah. I just I can't imagine how scary. So I I look so I look I got the prospect prospect list up. I think it's I don't consider Jesus Lazardo prospect, Sean Murphy, AJ Puck. I'm wiping them out. They're big leaguers. After that, let's clear them out. Who are the top prospects in that get elevated to like one through five? Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting shift. I mean, I think um, obviously Tyler Soderstrom is going to be among that group. Pawson is going to be among that group. I think Nick Allen can make a very strong argument for being, you know, the top all-around prospect, just what he can do defensively and how he was progressing with the bat. Um, you know, that pitching staff that they're going to have in that alternate site, um, you know, basically was going to be that besides Tyler Baum, who's a good, uh, you know, prospect in and of himself, but that was going to be your starting five, I think, in Las Vegas. And, um, you know, you're looking at, at Dalton Jeffries and, and James Capellian and, and Grant Holmes are all legitimate, you know, potential big league starters. Um, I, I really liked what I saw from Logan Davidson as well. I know his numbers coming out of Vermont last year were not great, but um, he looked really good in spring training. And I think he, he might be a guy that could move into that top 10 as well. So it's going to be a weird year to try to reorder people because there's just not a lot of data that you're going to have to go on. But um, I, I think it's still going to be a very talented group. It'll be a lot younger group in terms of experience than I think what you have right now when you've got the top three guys graduating. 
God, you you think, you know, going up against the Astros, going up against now, now, now you get the Dodgers. Yeah. <laughs> you, get, you get 107 wins, 106 wins. Uh, you know, are the Angels going to be better? Some people think the Padres are going to be better. This West is going to be tough. It is. I mean, I think it's definitely going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because also those teams are going to have DHs instead of the pitcher, you know, and I think that was always a nice little break for American League pitchers to go and play in a National League park, even though they had to hit, they didn't have to face a designated hitter. And with some of those teams, like the Dodgers, they had guys that were sort of profile DHs, even though they don't use them or they didn't think they were going to use them. So um, that's going to be tough to have to face those teams. Uh, You know, on the other hand, they're not going to have any of those crazy East Coast road trips that they're going to have to try to recover from, from the body clock perspective. So, you know, hopefully that helps out a little bit, but um, I think it is going to, it's, it's certainly not trading any benefit for not facing the Yankees to have to face the Dodgers as much as they are. You know, Melissa, for years, I, I, I want realignment. I mean, I just, it's, and I just, I, I, I scared Ken Korak cause he's a traditionalist, but <laughs> I, I, I just Houston, get, get the Rockies out of here, get, get, get the Astros, get the, get everybody out of here and let's figure out a West coast. They're going to, they're going to expand. So put a team in Portland. So that helps Seattle's travel. I mean, the, the East teams, they, they, they don't, they don't even come close to the travel miles that the West coast teams do. Let's let, let's get rid of that competitive advantage and look what the Coliseum looks like crowd wise when the giants come and the Dodgers come, it's just, a, can, can, can we do some realignment that helps the West coast teams? It helps with the travel. It helps with attendance. It just makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Cause I think you can also do the realignment without eliminating any of the real traditional rivals. So, I mean, I, you know, I totally get why traditionalists would, you know, kind of blanch at the idea of getting rid of, you know, national league and American league stalwarts or whatever, but um, but when you look at it, I mean, there's no reason the Dodgers and the Giants wouldn't continue to be in the same division. And then, you know, the A's and the Angels would still be battling it out. And um, I think it makes sense to have natural rivalries between the A's and the Dodgers, between, you know, the Angels and and, um, and the Padres. And they have like, you know, the Mariners start to have a rivalry with Portland, who may have been a National League team and this non-radical realignment sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for it. I, you know, I've also been an advocate of getting rid of pitcher sitting and having the, you know, universal DH. I'm sure there's a lot of people screaming at me right now, but um, I, I've never taken a lot of pleasure in watching somebody who hits 180 and make them think that they're a good, good hitter because they're a pitcher. So, um, you know, I, I think it would, I think it would help the game. I think it would help uh, television, um, you know, viewership as well, and not even just the in-park um attendance but you've got a lot more interest of people they're on the right time zone you know so you're not having as many of these five o'clock starts and stuff so yeah no i i'm all for it and i think it would be something that would really help move things along as they kind of look at for all the changes they want to make i think that's one that actually makes a lot of sense here i'm going to help you with that dh one in case anybody complains you just tell them this the National League is the only place in baseball that doesn't do, use the DH. They use it in high school. They use it in junior college. They use it in college. They use it in the minor leagues, and they use it in the American League. They're the only league in all of baseball that doesn't use the DH. That is ridiculous. And, and, and another way to look at this, too, is how many people do you know 
grew up in Southern California, and then they moved here, like myself. I got here in 91 to go to San Jose State. How many people have moved from Northern California to Southern California? We see all those Giants fans at, at Padre games and Dodger games. I mean, Californians move north, they move south, and that's why if we had all these California teams playing, as you said, it'd be better for television, it'd be better for radio, it'll be better for attendance. I just – I. I, I just, you know, it's not like the Yankees or in the East, they have somebody from the Midwest in their division. I mean, I mean, they're, they're, they're all pretty bunched together other than Tampa. But then, of course, the Yankees trade, they train down in Tampa. So that kind of brings Tampa into the American League East. It's just the way the West has been laid out. It makes no sense to have the Colorado Rockies in the West. It's just, I, I just, why can't we figure this out? Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think a, a division that maybe included the Rangers, Astros, and Rays would make a lot more sense and, you know, throw the Marlins in there as well. I mean, and the Braves or something, you know, you've got, you've got areas that, you know, I think the West Coast and the Southwest and I mean, Southeast have really not benefited from how the divisions are set up right now. And I think both of those areas could really, you know, stand to, to improve from how these divisions shake out. And, you know, then you, you can look into all the different things about whether the playoff situation makes sense the way it is, instead of having a one game play in, maybe you do what you do in a lot of these minor league um, leagues where they have wild card, uh, you know, so it's like first half of the season, the second half of the season winners play a three game play in to get, to go in instead of just doing this one game wild card. And, um, you know, that of course, you know, increases your postseason television revenue and everything else as well. But I think, um, there's a lot of things that you can build off of in those sorts of changes that um, maybe this little pause in this weird 60 game season will be, a, a, you know, sort of free them up to make those sort of changes. And instead of worrying, you know, as much about like uh, pitcher clocks and, uh, you know, how much we're allowed to spit on the field and all that kind of stuff. Well, let's end on this. I've been asking everybody. In your household, what have you guys been doing? What's the deep dive? Netflix, games, reading, working out. What's your family been doing? Well, we're um, I'm, I'm a family of a 10-year-old boy and an 8-year-old boy. So <laughs> there has been a lot of video games. Um, they are both very into Pokemon. So I know a lot more about uh, Pokemon, both from the video game and the television series than I would have ever imagined. Now that it's started to, <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't wish to know any of those things um and then you know we now we're we're doing a lot more hiking and stuff outside that it's it's gotten nice and then we don't have the school from home anymore but um and my kids have gotten into coding and and stuff like that a little bit we've been able to do some online camps there so uh we're we're kind of piecing the things together each day is its own little never-ending adventure around here Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll when, <laughs> when, when my kids were younger, I can tell you, I own every Disney princess movie. So if anybody yeah, anybody needs <laughs> to rent, uh, you want to rent a video from me, uh, I've got every single one. I know more about Disney princesses than I know about a lot of other things. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on. You're always so insightful. We love having you. And hopefully the next time we're talking, we're talking about actual games. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Take care. Hi, Cody. Hello. Um, I'm glad I, I'm glad we were able to get Melissa to talk about the the prospects we're going to see because I wanted to hear what she had to say about Pawson and and some. Of the Remember, pitches. I told you earlier in the show. Where is he? Yeah, is he in Arizona or is he in the DR? He's in the DR. Yeah. If you're in the Dominican Republic, it's not going to be 
it's not easy to get these guys back. And now, especially like she said, they're going to have to be screened. He's going to have to go into quarantine. I mean, the season, well, he wasn't going to be, you just want him to play 17 years old. You want him to progress. So it's not like, oh, he won't be able to play in the big leagues. I mean, he wouldn't be called up anyway. You just, you don't want these guys to get rust. I mean, these guys are growing as, as young men. And God, he's 17. It's unbelievable. Melissa hit a hit it home for me. As a kid growing up, uh, Pokemon was huge when, we were, when I was a kid. On um, Game Boy and the TV show and the movies. Now that has a, it's had like a resurgence in the past like five years. It's so odd now that I'm 31 years old and Pokemon's popular again when I was, what, when I was, I don't know, middle school? So 13. What, what, what was that deal where people would like on their phones find Pokemon? Was that Pokemon Go? Uh, that's a, it was a really big game. It was a big game. You could download it on your phone. But at the time when that game was big, uh, my iPhone was so old and outdated that I didn't, uh, my phone will not let me download the game. So I never got a chance to play it, but it was popular for a while. I know people are still playing it. I see the best is I used to see people walking into things like street, you know, street poles oh, and cause they were always looking for, for it at the phone. How, and I never looked up. How about, I don't know who this guy was. This is with the old regime. He was a young guy. He came walking into the broadcast booth looking for one. And it was like, get your you-know-what out of here. I mean, just and just and, and they were like, they're like staring and they don't know anything that's going on around them. The guy just walked, walked into the broadcast booth. Just a random employee. Like it'd be funny if Ken addressed it on the on the radio in the one two for you know how Ken Ken doesn't love it when just a bunch of people show up. And the one two from Sunny Gray is a ball two and two and Oh, we got some fan in here that's trying to catch a Pokemon. <laughs> All right, buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on Ace Cast Live. All right, so coming up next on Ace Cast, another A's win. Shocker. But another A's win. It'd be their 92nd win of 2019 versus the Kansas City Royals. And our good friend Whit Merrifield at the Coliseum. Homer Bailey, former Royal, won seven scoreless innings versus his old team with 11 strikeouts as the A's went on to take down the Royals 1-0 in 11 innings. J.B. Wendelkin gets to win, and Mark Canna was the hero with a walk-off RBI double in the 11th inning That's that scored your favorite A of 20, 2019, Jerickson Profar. So the A's 92nd win of 2019 is next on Ace Cast. So, 13 years ago yesterday, Craig Biggio, one of my favorite players I, I watched growing up, made history for the Houston Astros. The Hall of Famer collected his 3,000th hit versus Aaron Cook in the Colorado Rockies. Biggio was thrown out trying to turn his third hit out of – he was he was 5 for 6 in the game. But his third hit in the game, he tried – which ended up being 3,000. He tried to turn it into a, uh, into a double, and he was thrown out at second. But he so achieved a 3,000 hits. Biggio finished his career with 3,060 hits with the Astros and retired at the age of 41. He had 200 hits in a season one time. Jose Altuve is entering his age 30 season. He has 1,568 hits. He has 1,492 hits behind Craig Biggio on the all-time hits list for the Astros. If he gets to 3,000, he'll be only the second Astro to reach that milestone. Altuve has broken 200 hits four times in his career. All uh, came from between 2014 and 2018. Buying or selling Jose Altuve 
will break Craig Biggio's Astro, Astros franchise record for hits. Ooh. It's gonna be close. I know. That's like <laughs> I, I thought. I was trying to think with like the most compelling question with Biggio. How long did Biggio play? Biggio played till he was forty-one. So, Ugh. and Altuve's thirty, and he's like what? 50, essentially fifteen hundred hits behind. So if he averages, I don't know, one hundred fifty, two hundred hits for the next. 10 years if he does if he just does ten, for the next 10 years and he averages 150 hits he'll break it and that, but that's just being generous he's going to get more hits than that well he I mean, you don't know if he's going to get hurt yeah that's all health permitting but i think I that mean, he can do it you, you play. i mean Biggio never had a i don't remember him having any major injury i don't either i just remember the thing about him that was always compelling is that he switched from catcher to play second base in the outfield so he was very versatile where Altuve's played second base pretty much his entire – well, actually, his whole career. Hey, I, I I have a fan that sent me an email, and it's a great idea. It's I, – I don't know how many times he could do it and if he'd want to do it, but have, like, Monty Moore sh- share great A stories from, you know, God, from Kansas City all the way through when he was with the A's in Oakland. Do it like two, three minute, whatever. Uh, however, he would want to do it, and we could play it here on Ace Cast Live. Uh, that's actually not a bad idea. I mean, Monty's ninety years old now, so I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't be he wouldn't mind doing it. I just don't know what his schedule looks like, and you know how much time he would have to I devote to it. Great idea. Monty would do it. Monty, just be simple. Triple M. Monty Moore's memories. Yeah, there's your alliteration because everyone loves alliteration. Remember, it took Ken, it took, Ken told us it took. Uh, for a 90-second video, it took him six hours over three days to do the video. <laughs> still, I was still I couldn't stop laughing when he said that. All right, so next, uh, this one uh, has to do with Craig Biggio as well. So on this date in 1995, Craig Biggio set another record slash milestone at Coors Field. Byung-Hum Kim, the former closer, now starter for the Rockies, hits Craig Biggio in the fourth inning, meaning he passes Don Baylor for first on the all-times. Hit by pitch list. Biggio finishes career being plunked 285 times. The current active leader is Sinsu Chu of the Rangers with 150. Anthony Rizzo is next with 145. Derek Dietrich and D. Gordon are next at 118. The all-time A's record is held by the great Jimmy Dykes with 93. Buying or selling, no one will ever break Craig Biggio's record for most hit by pitches. Oh, yeah. I'm buying that. 285. Because Biggio had that big thing on his elbow, and he leaned into everything. <laughs> Most guys don't want to get hit. There, Who wants to get hit? It hurts. There was a... Especially, especially with these guys now throwing 100 miles an hour. You really want to get hit in the back with 100? Yeah, probably not. And there's... If you look at... If you actually look at the list of active... Uh, or if you look at the list of career hit by pitches, there's someone that's actually head of Biggio... But he played in the era of like 1890s through like the early yeah, 1900s. Not, not, that's not what you said the most. I'm like, he's not the most. Yeah, I just, I, it's the most, uh, I guess, the more current to live ball era uh, would be. But yeah, I think the, the leader has 287, where Biggio has 285. All right, last one quickly. Baseball Reference has been simulating the 2020 season like there were 162 games, as Melissa had said she did at The Athletic. The A's are currently back in first place at 51-34, and 34, a half game ahead of the Seattle Mariners. They currently have three players at 20-plus homers, and Matt Olson has 19, so they're going to have four 
at this point when this when he hits 20. Will Leach, our friend of MLB.com, wrote about the one hitter to watch this year for each team, and he chose Chris Davis. Now, Davis struggled in 2019 with hitting 220 with 23 home runs. But if the simulated numbers mean anything, Davis is leading the A's with 22 home runs. That could be that could be a good thing for 2020. Buying or selling, Chris Davis will lead the A's in home runs in 2020. Selling. Who, well, like, we'll, we'll, we'll give the full predictions on who's going to lead uh, later on once we get closer. Are, to are, this. are you doing an in-show tease? Yeah, I'm the I'm uh, what we used to call a – I'm doing a forward momentum, if you remember what those wow. are. We're really throwing it back here. So on Wednesday, we'll tell you – I'm not even going to tell you off the air. We may agree. We may disagree. Who – and we want all of you – we should put it out there on, on uh, A's Cast Twitter. Put it out. We can do a poll. On who's going to lead in home runs? So who's on it? So you're going to have Chris Davis. Yeah. Matt Chapman. Matt Olson. Matt Olson. Marcus Simeon. Mark you Canna. Else? You can only do four. So it's either Simeon or or Canna. I mean, Simeon did hit 33 last year. But Canna hit 26. I think we got. Well, to, I think we got to. Talk, how about we just do? We just do Davis, Olson, Chapman, and then the fourth option can be other. Explain below. All right, you're the producer. Yeah, I'll I'll, just, I'll think of something. But yeah, I we'll, just I just get up here and dance all day long. I mean, that's that's what I do. Uh, Shake you, it. If you want to know what we're doing on Wednesday, I told Feldy we're going to do a green and gold history. I told him to have the best sixty game stretches by individual players ready for the A's top ten. So we'll have that. The great Raymond Fossey because it's Wednesday. Uh, we're going to Brad Lidge to talk about well, baseball. And uh, Mike Petriello, our good friend from MLB.com, to talk about the season. But he also wrote an article about the death of the sacrifice bunt. Now that there's no, now there's going to be a universal DH. So it was an interesting article I was reading from him over the weekend. These guys can't bunt, man. I, I mean, and I know it, it drives fans nuts, but the reality is, these guys don't bunt. They don't bunt in high school. They don't bunt in college. They bunt. I mean, these guys are all about hitting the ball at the ballpark. How many times? And when they try. I was having to think the A's bunted last year. Single digits. Seven, and one of them was by Chris Bassett. So six. Bassy. <laughs> six sacrifice bunts if you don't include Chris Bassett. I knew I knew it was low. Trust me, in the postgame show. Why didn't Bob Melvin bunt? Why didn't he bunt? I'm like, it's like dude, these guys really can't do it. It's an, it's terrible, but it's it is what it is. All right, that'll do it for A's Cast Live. We want to thank all of our guests. Who stopped by? Himbo, Paul Himbakides, Richard Justice, Chris Rose, Ken Korak, Melissa Lockhart. We'll be back on Wednesday from 1 to 4. Enjoy a little A's baseball right here on A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. Chevron and its brands are committed to reliably providing fuel to customers, even during an emergency. The safety and health of workers, customers, and the communities where Chevron operates are primary concerns. In Northern California, Chevron and Texaco stations are open for business, supplying quality fuels in a safe manner. COVID-19 is more than a health crisis. It's a financial crisis for many California families. In this moment, you shouldn't have to worry about keeping the lights on. That's why at PG&E, we want you to know about our programs to reduce bills for customers facing economic hardship, that we've suspended all disconnections because of non-payment, 
and we can help you save money by using less energy. To learn more, visit safetyactioncenter.pge.com. Where will you go first? Will it be familiar streets? Or perhaps unknown roads? Wherever you may go, Lexus will welcome you back with exceptional offers on exceptional vehicles. Find out all the ways a Lexus can be yours at Lexus.com. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Here's what we want everyone to do. Count all the hugs you haven't given, all the hands you haven't held, all the dinners you didn't share with friends, the trips you haven't taken. Keep track of them. Each one means one less person vulnerable, one less person exposed, and one step closer to a healthier community. So for now, keep your distance, but don't lose count. We'll have some catching up to do. Kaiser Permanente, thrive. Right now, staying connected is more important than ever, and fast, reliable internet from Xfinity can help. We have plans to fit every budget, with speeds up to a gig, all at Xfinity.com. We'll ship you a self-install kit on us to make setup quick, safe, and easy. No tech visit required. And our simple digital tools will help you manage your account online. At Xfinity, we're committed to keeping you connected. Find great offers and value today at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Hi, I'm Kathy Adams, president of the Oakland African American Chamber of Commerce. As the impact of COVID-19 grows, OAACC believes it is important that the African-American community hears directly from us in regards to mitigation efforts you may enact it to reduce the risk to your family and loved ones. Recent data reveals African-Americans are dying from COVID-19 at disproportionate rates than other groups. Experts cite diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, and lung disease as factors. It is imperative that we institute safeguard measures listed on the OAACC website. We will be conducting virtual forums with African-American experts sharing how we must conduct ourselves during this pandemic. OAACC has taken up the mantle to be caretakers for our community. Visit us at OAACC.org. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.